Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. somewhat familiar with Southern California, and recently I've become familiar with Northern California. I would love to spend some time up in Northern California. Here it's beautiful. Northern California is a very different or unique sort of animal, I find. Uh, You know, it's got this strange mixture of, like, red state, blue state, as you guys call it. But as a result of that, sort of everyone sort of minds their own business, in a way, and is respectful. Yeah. Right? Because it's like... You know, you don't know what you're messing with. It's the People countryside, could be up to stuff. Yeah, there's guns and there's there's space to mind your own business. And when you do come together, like at the local bar here is called the Gun Club. Okay, so it's kind of understood that like everyone plays by the rules when you do poker. Yeah. Hey, you got me, don't you? <laughs> you got me there. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right. Cheers. You got a better mic setup than I do. I have to get a new condenser. Oh, you sound pretty good. I'm still learning how to use this thing. It's a little Zoom mic. I think it's mostly for bands, but hey, it still yeah. works. Yeah, I had a good collection of condensers from my music days, but yeah, some were stolen, some I sold off, and uh, I should have kept one, I guess. But it, you know, you can get a decent uh, mic for uh, like the blue, the blue podcast mic by the Blue Brand, you know, Blue Brand. Yeah, we used like to use one of those, and it honestly sounded a little better for what we were doing. But hey. Hmm. That's interesting. Better than the current mic? Yeah. Wow. Huh. 
Yeah. So, Luke, how did you get into doing your podcast? Well, I got into doing my podcast because I had this idea that I had had in my mind for a long time, and it was I want to drive rideshare. I wanted to be an Uber driver. I thought that'd be a really fun way to make money. And for years, I just never pursued the idea. And long story short, I found myself in a really low place in life. Uh, I had gotten gone through a divorce. Some crazy circumstances had happened, and. I thought to myself, well, what the hell? I got nothing else to lose. Let's go ahead and drive Uber. Well, as I picked up Uber, I, I found myself uh, like this feeling came over me. And I, I, it's hard to describe, but it was like it felt like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. It felt like and not only that, it felt like it, it was something that I had chosen at the same time. It, it was neither a feeling of like I was destined to do this. Or it would, and it wasn't just something that's like, oh, on a whim, oh, I just want to do this. It was like a mixture of the two, kind of. And when I do it, when I do it, and especially then when I had started, I felt really alive. And sometime in the mix of all that, I was trolling around on the Chaos Magic forums on Facebook. Yeah. Which at the time, I mean, it's not what it used to be. It's everything's politicized now, so. I, I mean, it was moving in that direction then, but you get the idea. Well, one day, somebody posts this thing, and it's like, hey, this is this podcast I found. It's proof. Proof that Alistair Crowley and his buddies planned 9-11, right? And I was like, oh, all right, let's uh, let's see what they got to say. So I pop Crowley. on the podcast, and it's last podcast on the left. And these guys are kicking all the ass, right? I don't know what it is. I've heard so many people talk about 9-11, and there is a, a certain quality to the way they approach the topic uh, with humor and information and a certain amount of passion in the topic. And the show that the guy linked was somewhere in the middle of the series. It was like show two out of three or something like that. And um, if you just listen for five seconds, you could tell – you know, Henry Zabrowski and Marcus Parks and um, – oh, I'm going to kill myself for uh, not thinking of his name now. Fucking – you know, the guy who pretends he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he does. I can't, I can't for life me remember. Anyway, they're like – you can tell they're being tongue-in-cheek, you know. They're, they're, being, a, they're being sarcastic. They're, they're telling you Alistair Crowley and his buddies didn't do it. In fact, they're telling you that it was Dick Cheney and his buddies, right? So, oh, okay. So they're uh, using a bit of humor. Yeah, they're using a bit of humor, and like this numpty that had posted this on the Chaos Magic forums hadn't had the foresight to see that they were being tongue in cheek. They didn't. They didn't have. They didn't have the. You know, they didn't know. So, and that's kind of what led me to it. Is I started listening to their show, and it was really funny. And oh, the guy's name I can't remember. He's on Fox News for crying out loud. Anyway. They're really funny, they're really informed, and they do really great episodes on usually stuff where there's a bunch of people. So like bands, especially cults. I love their shows on cults. And the more I listened, I was like, man, I wonder if I could do this. This sounds like this could be a lot of fun. So yeah. I just kept listening and kept listening, and just one day uh, I, it was on – oh, let me think. Let me not mess this up. The 
not the vernal equinox. What's the other one? It, no, no, it was. It was the vernal equinox. So we, me and my friend Andrew got together and we decided to record the first episode just kind of like a big thesis about like what the show would be right. on the equinox, you know, to get the energy started right because the year prior was the day I had got my car to start doing Uber and the car that they had rented me, I wanted to get the the Malibu, but they didn't give me the Malibu. They gave me the Chevy Equinox. Yeah. So I was like, oh, there must be something magical about doing shit on this day, right? So I was like, well, we got to start the whole rabbit on that day. Wow. And lo and behold, here we are. So, How many episodes have you done now? Oh, I think, let me think. We do, oh, God. Uh, we're like on 66, 67, 68, 69. I think we might be 66. I'm oh, not that's sure. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I would have researched more into yours, but we uh, touched base and then it sort of happened. And so, yeah, here we are. That's, it's exciting to, to talk to someone else who's going at it. And you cover a lot of stuff like aliens and uh, things like that that I don't really get into. Oh, we definitely do cover aliens. Jesus. I, should I, I mean, I feel like, uh, like, I want to say, like, to be cur- courtesy, like, hello, and like, how did you get into podcasting? Oh, you don't have, well, uh, yeah, I've, I've done it on and off, though I've, uh, you know, had shutdowns and things like that, um, so I guess you could say I've dabbled in it, um, yeah, yeah, that's how, um, mainly the technology became simple enough for me to bother doing it, because I'm not much for post-production and that sort of thing. I'm, uh, I guess it's the, my scholarly nature. Like if, if I, I'd ri- I, I try to cut corners and save time so I can focus on high quality footnoting. You could say that sort of describes me in a nutshell. Right. Cause yeah. where I've seen you, you like, you'll pop into a shop or a store and you'll just like put down a lecture, you know, that's kind of where I've seen you. I've done online. That. Yeah, I've done that. And, uh, that's that's worked for me. I like I like the impromptu stuff. I like the casual stuff. I like giving people a glimpse into just a regular conversation between occultists or, or scholars. That's something I think that is interesting because uh, especially academics or more scholarly type people, we tend to prepare our content and, that we release so much. Um, there's often not much space left um, for maybe engagement of a certain sort. It's more like, here's the information. It's well-researched. There's nothing much else to say about it. That, that's sort of what you right. want out of a good academic essay, right? You don't want to read someone's PhD dissertation and find out they didn't read 30 books on their subject. Yeah. Right? Because then totally. you're like, shit, so I got to read your dissertation and these 30 books that you just happen to not bother reading? Come on. No. Right. Do your research. So I like casual conversations. I like finding out stuff I don't know and, and, and looking at, at gaps in my own knowledge and, and hypothesizing like, you know, in the good old days when you would talk to your friends and you couldn't Google what you didn't know. You just had to start saying, Hey, what if it's this? What if it's that? Man, I remember the first time I heard of Google, but I was, I was a teenager. So I kind of came up while that was changing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, when I first like I first uh, when I first researched things like the Golden Dawn on the internet, it was back when I would you know hit find the main page of a site, and then I'd sit there while it slowly went chink 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 like loading graphic line by graphic line for fifteen minutes for the whole page. <laughs> oh, I remember the fifty six k modem oh. days. Oh, my first computer was a four eighty six. Most people don't even know what that is. 
I, 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 that sounds familiar to me, man. Yeah, growing up in my family, got a I, I remember the computers where they turned them on and they had like the green yeah. and the black, and yeah. that was it. That's it. Yeah, I remember when I was <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it was called, man, but it was like the Fallout computers. Exactly. They're, that's the technical name, the Fallout computers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, when I got a Pentium, right? I'm a scholar myself. Yeah, Pentiums had a I'm gigabyte. I'm not such a bad scholar myself. Huh? No, 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 you're great, you're great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. the Pentiums had a gigabyte, but not a gigabyte of RAM, a gigabyte of memory. That's what their big selling point was. Get a Pentium, it has a gigabyte of memory. That's wild. I, me- I remember being a little kid yeah. and being in a, at a computer show and some uh, some adult being like, oh, man, you should see I got Doom 2. Running on my Pentium Two, yeah. graphics are crazy. <laughs> yeah, Pentium Two. Oh, my first laptop. I think it cost like three thousand dollars in two thousand and three, uh, and it could almost play a movie without crashing. Uh, and it lasted. <laughs> it lasted about three months, and then it just flatlined. Whoa! Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's like you Those know you're on days. that bell curve in the technology where you're yeah. like testing it kind of. Yeah, and it was like cutting edge for its time, but it, uh, yeah. That, that's how it was back then. I mean, it's so safe tempting to like push it and go so far on that curve, you know. If you just stuck with word processing, you were more or less safe. I mean, and of course, back up to your floppy disks. Oh yeah, oh, floppy yeah. disks. Yeah, I know. I actually wish I had a lot of those floppy disks, and I wish I had, a lot of them hadn't been lost. But such is life. Oh man. Yeah. So what's your I take on that. aliens then? Well, with all now, now I have someone with who's into aliens on. And uh, I want to ask, what's what's your take on all this footage being released? Because I don't have any alien stories. Well, m- maybe I have one that I might share. But um, footage. What's your thoughts on the on them releasing this footage? I like that meme that shows, uh, hey, you know, basically now that everyone knows they're real, nobody cares. Well, that's the thing is like, what is it lately that now this the Pentagon has released the footage? They, is that what they I'm, themselves is that the big re- thing? released officially released all this you know, fighter pilot footage, right? But we already saw the Navy fighter pilots on the television tell us they saw it. Right, exactly. So, I mean, if it's between the Pentagon and a Navy fighter pilot, uh, personally, I'm going to trust the Navy fighter pilot, you know, just in general. So it doesn't mean a shit to me that the Pentagon put out anything. Right. Just, well, no, they're, you just know. Saying, they're just saying, yes, this footage was actually taken. You know what I do really like about that, though, mm-hmm. is uh, when I drive Uber, I put in my uh, profile, I put host the paranormal podcast. Oh, and, and that helps, doesn't it? Well, sometimes, you know, you get the same fucking questions over and over and what? over. It's, it's usually like, oh, what's your day job? How did you get into doing this? How much money do you make? You know, and you're like have to answer that same exact question over and over and over again. You're driving Uber, you host a a paranormal podcast, and their question is, what's your day job? See, now, if they hear about the paranormal podcast, they'll they'll maybe ask about the podcast. And if they don't, then it can be assumed that perhaps that's not something they wish to talk about. When they ask about it, you should just, you know, say, hey, you're on it right now. (laughs) <laughs> Some people, I, I really wa- I have wanted to do that. You I have a show idea, but I don't want to say much more. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, I like I like I can I can feel your vibe. I like where you're going <laughs> yeah. Because I used to watch a show on HBO as a kid, and that, now I've really gone too far. But um, what I was gonna say, so yeah. 
they they see there that you host a paranormal podcast and they're, and they're like, you know, tell me about the paranormal podcast. And it's, it's good because a lot of the time this actually happens so frequently it blew me away when I, when I, I put this on there that it, it seems like every third person will come in and be like, you know, you know, you host a paranormal podcast. Well, hey, I got this. I got this one thing that happens to me, man, where it's like every night I wake up and there's these blue orbs in my room, man. And they tell me, they tell me the same thing every time. They tell me, don't ever be afraid, don't ever worry, because we're here for you and we're going to guide you and lead you where you need to go. And then I woke up the next morning and these people from CERN showed up to my door and started trying to recruit me into this weird organization. And then, well... And then I saw them the next day, and they acted like they didn't know me. Ah, da, 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 da. Dude, it's stuff like that constantly. Wow. Constantly. I've met so many people that have met the quote, men in black, where um, this one guy's like, oh, I, I downloaded this movie on, uh, you know, illegally on, I don't know what people use anymore. It used to be Kazaa and LimeWire in my day. I don't know what they use now. Bit, no, BitTorrent, right? They BitTorrent now. That's the new thing. They BitTorrent. These kids, okay? Yeah. So... He's like, yeah, I bit tarnated this movie. And then the next thing I know, I got these weirdos in these black coats and these out-of-time outfits and these white faces with red lips. And they're tracking mud through my through my living room telling me what I downloaded last night, saying, don't ever do that again. And this feeling of, like, dread and, like, awe, mystic feeling fell over me until they left. And I felt like I couldn't even speak the whole time. And then they were gone. And, dude, I get shit like that constantly now. Constantly. You would not believe how many people have really, really bizarre experiences, and they just know better than to talk about them. That's very strange. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to believe. Uh, it sounds like... I believe everyone. I believe fucking everyone, man. So do you have an alien experience story? Personally? Nope. No. Damn. Never seen an alien? Never seen a UFO? That seems um, unfair. No, that's not exactly true. I... I Maybe was on mushrooms when I saw an alien and a UFO, and it was in a glass of water, and it was a, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, actually. Huh. Huh. The first uh, first time I I seriously took uh, DMT, the main feeling I had afterward was that I had been abducted. It just felt like I had been abducted. Really? And I even saw reptilian beings in that realm I was in though I've never seen them since in any DMT trip, and they told me that I needed to go back and make sure that this is just for your, just for you, baby. They, they told me I need to come back and make sure that everyone took as much DMT as possible as often as possible. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was amazing. That was the best. That made me laugh. And it's, it's what happened, and I've, like, I'm not into ancient aliens or, or the reptilians or any of that stuff at all, uh, but this happened. That's what happened. And uh, I really, to this day, believe that people should take large amounts of DMT, um, but not necessarily because of aliens, just because of spiritual enlightenment and seeing, you know, the multiverse. Um, one thing I've heard that is that, you know, drugs themselves, if you take enough of them, they tend to have this effect where they want to act, they want to make you an envoy of them to some extent. So, like... You smoke enough weed, invariably, uh, it's like that egregory follows you around and like tries to recruit other people into it to some degree. 
So, I don't know, is DMT, like, ultra-crystallized reptilian consciousness or some shit? Who knows? You know? Um, but I want to say another thing about DMT, which uh, uh, has the same sort of makes-me-laugh energy that you pulled up there uh, talking about it. Um, I have talked to some people about their DMT experiences, and I, can, I can't think of every single one, but there's one I can remember. This guy is an atheist satanist okay and he likes uh you know this is like the guy who is this singer and the guy who composes the music for uh voodoo dawn and he said that he took the deemsters once and he saw fucking like unicorns and rainbows and like uh eyes and pyramids and like masonic shit Mm -hmm. and he was like I'm not into that shit. And he, he like laughed at it because he's like, I'm not even into that shit. That stuff's like corny little kid stuff. Like I'm fucking over that. Like I can't believe it showed me that. And then he just, it was just over it. Oh, I have, oh, and I know somebody else who, um, and this, this guy's really cool. He's got like a really rad, uh, taste in art. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. He used to sell these like really cool, uh, vapor pens. I don't know what it was about them. They were really cool, but, he does this special thing with lights, and um, he he's kind of known for being a light artist, so he has a really great visual sense of style and shit. And when he took it, he has this really famous story where he got, like, this really, like, um, you know, not to offend anybody, but, like, you know, you're very, like, stereotypical gay, like – like fashionista flamboyant sort of entity that was like just a taste just a taste just a taste so it was like dmt has like this like really goofy silly thing to it where oh, i can yeah. i can tell you my experience it wasn't that interesting yeah you had just one uh, yeah so like i was at burning man and i was uh i had taken like a good bit of ketamine right and some other shit and I was kind of coming down because it was Saturday. No, it was Sunday morning, the day before you burn the uh, temple. And, you know, you're feeling kind of frazzled by that point in the week. And I'm walking directly towards the man westward from the east side of the camp from, you know, B and Keyhole where we, where we used to host Camp Magic Pancakes. And uh, I did the artwork for that, man. I was a big – I was the brains, man. I was the brains. No, I was I was definitely one of the people involved. Okay, but anyway, this person passes me the Deemsters while I'm on the way to the man. And I'm so stupid. I accept this shit. I'm walking by. He's like, hey, you want to take a hit of this? I'm like, yeah, man, that sounds great. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking because I don't really have the balls to do stuff like that ever. I was just in some other – I was like something took over me. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And I was like, I'm going to take it, and then I'm going to finish walking to the man. And I took the hit, and he was like, good luck walking to the man. I was like, I got this. Yeah, if you you do it right, you can't move. Ooh, yeah. I took like two or three steps, and this voice in in the back of my existence was like, Luke, you are not going to be able to walk. You need to get off the path you are walking right now, and you need to lie down. So I like this little spinny motion, (laughs) flipped off the backpack, swung it onto my chest, and like lie down in the sand and son of a bitch the it was like the colors like did this crazy photoshop fade thing and i was like nope gotta close my eyes now yeah and And it's um, good if you focus on the back of your eyelids yeah it had to do something like that i can't really yeah i had i had to do something like that for sure and i just did my breathing and i had i did i went into like this um 
Osiris Rising sort of pose because that was like the only way Dude, I could handle it. That's what I had to do that first time I was telling you about up at Soma Institute. You can, I have the video footage actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna share it finally, and you can see me in Golden Dawn Regalia. And all of a sudden, at one point, I'm just like, oh, like yeah, that's the state. That's the state to be in. Osiris Risen, baby. Yeah, it's like, cause how? What do you? What else are you supposed to do with the fucking energy, man? It's like, well, what do you put your hands on your head, on your so, dick, or so what? Actually, like, I don't know. The first time I really I did it before that was I didn't do pure DMT. I did it in Changa in Berlin with an anthropologist who helps put together the Culture Conference every year, and so he led me through this. And he's a Mexican shaman and really amazing scholar and guy. And he told me that any sacred sounds or gestures that I felt called to incorporate were good thing to do and that's been a real a real good thing to know so passing on that information sacred gestures sacred sounds are a great way to interact and navigate the the, the journey so yeah like that's your jumping off point like having a mudra and a sacred sound will influence uh, like your your descent down the uh, whatever you're descending well, I or ascending the, or whatever I the is. last time I did it that, that they were teaching me different methods to control where I was in the realm using breath and 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 gesture. No. I, I I was just trying to like handle it, so I did my like breathing and um Oh yeah, the first like, time. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I haven't really had the inclination to go back. It was really intense. The only ever time I've done anything quite that strong is like Salvia. And that was pleasant a few times, but to be honest, I actually found the advice that you just gave for the Deemsters to be very, very fucking useful for my first few psychedelic experiments, which were with Salvia Divinorum, mm. which, and then, you know, for that, the, I found that advice to be essential because that was like, man, that wasn't even like falling down a waterfall and you have like a way to guide yourself. That was like, you hit the point of all places and like whatever you have in your pocket at that exact second is what you're turning into, man. Mm. Like I, I, so you better have it. You better at that exact second, you better have the right thing going or in your pocket. Cause there's no, it's fucking weird. But anyway, so I was taking the Deemsters. I the colors fade out, close my eyes. This is what I remember being very unique. Like the thing about it that reminded me of my, uh, satanic friend is that what I saw was sort of like had this, funnily stereotypical vibe to it what do i mean by that it was like the stuff i was seeing was stuff i you would see in like a, a painting like a psychedelic painting yeah in that it looked kind of like oh i don't know green bricks or blocks that were composing these basically these books that were flipping in multiple dimensions it was like if you took kind of like the xyz dimension of uh, something like just the XYZ dimensions, you know, up, down, left, right, forward, back, and then you turn those dimensions into books, okay? Yeah. And then you started opening them and shit. It was like that, but made of green bricks, right? If you were a really good artist, you could probably figure it out. I don't know. And the thing that I remember about it is I paid attention and it and it had this, it kept that threeness to it, um, that three axis theme to it. It never turned into six or seven or four. It had a definite threeness, inverted triangleness to it, and that like um, continuity of the experience is what really stuck with me. 
And when I woke up out of the experience, I stood up in the from the sand as it wore off, very happy that I had survived because I'd never really <clears throat> done anything quite that extreme. And the first thing I walked into was some matter out of place, some moop, and it was this perfectly like silver crescent moon. And I just picked it up and put it on. I was like, this. This is my trophy for surviving that shit. And then I just – then I walked over to this really groovy like uh, – it was a library, but instead of reading the books, you wrote the books. And so I just went in there, and I think I might have recorded my experience. I don't know. But it's, it was kind of a nice, quiet place to hang out afterwards. Yeah. Did, did you experience uh, hitting the wall of lights like some people – like most many people describe and either going through it or staying at that stage? Honestly, I would probably imagine that those books were probably those the wall of light, and I probably could have needed a little more, and the books might have opened, and then I might have gone through the books or something like that. That's my sincere uh, guess because I've heard um, Terrence McKenna like his advice would have been like, okay, you take that first hit, and then you need to just like take two more, you know, as fast yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah, the the yeah for sure for sure. So and one, I just one time. I took that one gnarly rip, and I did hold it. Yeah. Like, I did hold it real, real long, yeah. like, the whole time. I'm pretty good at that. Also, a lot of people recommend um, going take, you know, go, going in sort of a little ways, like, taking as much as you need to go in a little ways, poke your head in through the window, mm. come back out, wait 10, 15 minutes, and then do a full trip, like, as many hits as it takes. I mean, because here's the th- great thing about it being an endogenous substance in our body. You can't take too much of it because once you hit a certain level of endogeneity, I guess, your body shuts down. You lose limbic function, right? You can't hold the thing anymore. You can't hold anything. That's really right. how you know you've taken the right amount because you slump over. And yeah, that reminds me of that that really funny video series on YouTube that was like driving on salvia, gardening on salvia. Oh, God. You know, and a guy would get everything ready and he'd be like, here we go. We're going to garden on salvia. Now, first what we do, we get our hoe or we take our trowel. And we uh, make sure we have our, gl- our gloves on and we take a hit of our salvia. And then we spaceship monkey kitty meow meow the space cat. Like, and he just starts talking total fucking gibberish. <laughs> and then he's like, and then the second he starts coming out of it, he's like, and then we want to make sure we get the hole just about three inches before we put in the seed. And then we cover up the... The, the dirt nicely and put just enough water and he would go right back into character oh my god dude i can't believe i just remembered that that guy was so funny um but yeah totally I, yeah that's that was the point of what he was saying he's like can you the, how are you supposed to drive on salvia was the point you can't even start the car yeah <laughs> you know like yeah uh, you shouldn't drive on that stuff um, no you shouldn't i mean you shouldn't you definitely shouldn't take a hit while you're moving i don't do that that yeah. is like, in fact, don't even take drugs. And everything I say about drugs is fictional. Let's yeah, try no, no one, everything no one here we're has saying. Ever taken drugs. It's all hypothetical. We're, this is a fictional podcast. As you can tell, yeah. we talk about aliens. Well, yeah. no, aliens are not even. Uh, no, no, aliens are still crazy. UFOs are now a fact. That's what I meant to say. Is when people get in the car and they're like, "Oh, you got it." You got a podcast about the paranormal? That's stupid. Well, you believe in aliens and UFOs? I was like, listen, buddy, it's your word against the navies now. They're a fact. Like, do you, it's your word against the navies. The navy says there's UFOs, and now the Pentagon? Mm. See, yeah, they, I think part of that is because they don't have a problem with saying that there's unidentified crafts. 
because they're, you know, they're not saying an unidentified craft is an alien craft. They're just saying we don't know what it is. Of course, then you see what these crafts are doing. It's like, what the fuck? Right? So we know that these, you know, and they might twist that to be like, oh, China's developed these new things or Russia's developed these new things. They can always say that, but we all know that's bullshit probably, right? It's more likely that if there is this technology out there and that it's been there and Bob Lazar saw it and all that shit. Yeah, I mean, I just come down on the side like, you know, when we, when we know there's aliens, we will all know. Right. I'm sort of waiting for that moment. <laughs> when, like, the unveiling. Yeah, I'm gonna, I get to ask you like the really great question that people get to this, this part of the conversation get to ask. And it's like, what do you think of what Bob Lazar says? <laughs> like, I, I think we, I think we found out that he, he was fairly well vindicated to some extent, either that, or there's some sort of a disinfo situation that like, uh, has been going on for so fucking long. That, well, I, like, I think that other I think that's lady, not ill-conceived either. Who I knows? Think that I don't other, know. That other woman who wrote the book and was sort of saying that these crafts in, in uh, Roswell were, Russian experimental ships with Down syndrome kid on, kids on them who are disfigured oh, yeah. to me look like that sounds like straight up disinfo to me. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like, but maybe not. Again, we'll know when we know. But uh, uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing that he, the thing that he said that really got to me was the the notion that some of these craft had been recovered and they were exceedingly old, like ancient. Yeah, and they had a whole bunch of them, and then there's the element H1, no, not H1N1, what's the element N115? That's the, yeah, that's, it was a certain kind of... So this is a real element that actually exists that we've identified, but it's, it's we haven't been able to isolate isotope. its atomic half-life long enough to have uh, a physical substance, except for the piece he allegedly stole. So, who knows, maybe that'll happen, we'll find out. I hope I hope my kids or grandkids get to live in a world with spaceships that and other alien races. I mean, that would be sort of cool, but yeah. In the meantime, I think we have a... I'd like to do a space ambulance, space taxi type deal. Sure, yeah, drive a space Uber. Yeah. I mean, hey, I I look forward to uh, Steve Carell's Space Force show coming out, and that should be fun. Steve Carell's Uh got his new office-style show where he basically is in charge of Space Force, and they have to figure out how to do it, and he's like, doesn't know how to do it, and no one knows how to do it, and very timely, (laughs) very fucking timely. Um, (laughs) I think it's good. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. I mean, when the the airplanes happen, they're like, well, we don't have a branch for that. Uh, Here's a new one. You know, we got to invent this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I... I, I recently heard on the, you know, in the uh, in the abduction world, this one thing that made me think about this experience I had, that made me reconsider what it might mean, and you know, because I've heard in abduction stuff, people talk about the abduction thing is sort of like this tunnel of white light. Mm, Have you oh, heard wow. that? Yes, heard yeah, that? yeah. So I'd never heard that before, <clears throat> and if you want, I will share for the first time ever my little experience that I had when I was younger. So it's really weird. You want to hear it? Yeah, totally. Let's okay. please do. I would really be honored to. It's not it's not instantaneous. It doesn't instantaneously seem amazing, but okay, here it goes. So, <clears throat> I think it was definitely during my teenage years, and as one does, I'm sitting in the room with my friends playing Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome. You know, three, <laughs> 3.5 represent all the way. Fuck that fourth, <laughs> fuck that fourth and fifth ed bullshit. If you're gonna play fourth or fifth ed, you may as well play Burning Wheel or Rollmaster. We would play third edition, like or three point yeah, five or something. Third I don't edition, know. That's good, man. You need those rules. Anyways, whatever. It's all good. It's all gravy. So we're we're playing, and I I get up to go to the bathroom. 
because, you know, we would all drink way too many sodas. And I'm, I, I, I go pee and then I'm washing my hands and I look in the mirror and I see this point of light way in the distance in the mirror. And all While of you're sudden, playing D and D, that's so awesome, man. Yeah. So I'm, this is, you know, we're teenagers and, and the point of, and all of a sudden I feel weird, like tingly all over. And this point of light just gets like bigger until it consumes my whole ray of vision and light comes in all around the side of my vision. And it's like tunnel of, of light and I get lightheaded and I'm just like, Oh fuck. I feel like I'm sort of going to vomit and just lights out. And it felt like an eternity that the lights were out for. And what woke me up was bang, my head hitting the side of the bathtub and I come Ooh, to and like, ow. oh, we're talking like massive fucking trauma on the side of my face because I just went down right on the side of the, my head hitting the side of the bath. I, there's blood all over my face. I slowly crawl up. I was gone for who knows how long. I crawl back to down the hallway into my bedroom where my friends are and they see there's just like blood all dripping down my face and like, dude, what the fuck? And I, 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 I couldn't even talk for a while. I eventually I tell them what happened and you know, we're like, Hey, one, one of my buddies like, dude, were you like super constipated? (laughs) (laughs) No, or maybe, or who cares? I don't know. And, you know, we, we sort of, you know, we just sort of tried to get on with the, the game and stuff and it was all fucked up and shit. And then it was just, um, later that night, um, this is what's really fucked up about later that night. And my my best friend Daniel, and this is a guy who's uh, health wise and physically as different to me as possible. Like I'm five nine, you know, I was definitely you know chubby over there pre pre diagnosis for a celiac disease and other autoimmune diseases. So I was unhealthy and didn't know why all that sort of shit. He's one of these thin, fit, athletic guys. He didn't have to go see a dentist till he was 30. And when he did, the dentist thought he had a cavity and it turned out he didn't. You know, like he's, yeah, yeah. he can eat whatever he wants. He's thin, fit, all that, no matter what. So different physiology. He goes to the bathroom that night. He's I had gone, a weird he's mix gone too, for way too long, yeah. way too long, like half an hour. And he comes stumbling through the front, the door of the bedroom. And there's blood all over his face. Woo! Right? Like... What the fuck? And he proceeds to describe exactly what I described. And here's the thing. I didn't actually tell them about any white light or any tunnel vision. I just said, like, I I went to the bathroom and then I passed out and hit the thing. I hit the side of the tub. I didn't tell them any any other details, which is why they were like, hey, maybe you ate something bad or you're constipated or you passed out or you drank too many sodas, right? I don't know, all this shit that teenagers come up with in the 90s. And then he, <laughs> yeah, he totally. described this point of light, and I'm like, that's exactly what happened to me. And it was crazy. It was just too crazy to describe, like, what the fuck are those chances? But then the kicker was, days later, maybe a week, I'm in the bathroom. I turn to the mirror, and guess what I see? Was it as he described it? It was. He described exactly what I described hit the bathtub in the same place. Like, and he was bleeding way more severely. We both had massively fucked up heads and faces after those falls. Like that's bizarre. So then a couple days later or whatever, I'm in the bathroom and I, I feel the feeling and I see the point of light in the mirror and I'm like, Holy fucking shit. And I couldn't get down on the ground fast enough. Like I'm, you know, if you want to drop on the ground, it's not that hard, especially if you do martial arts and you can break, fall, and shit. Like, you get hit the ground. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I'm trying to get down the ground safe, and just, like, before I get, like, grab put my hands on it, because I'm losing mobility as I'm going, right? And here's the other thing. None of us, 
like I had never drunk or smoked anything in my life up until I was 24 really these guys didn't really either we were we were good Dungeons and Dragons kids who drank soda and ate candy that was about it and I get down onto the ground and I'm out and I come to just feeling awful I didn't hit my head fortunately that time and that happened like uh, one or two other times and uh, to this day I just don't know what to make of the experience I mean None of us have been able to get medical explanations, especially if you look at the whole series of events. No medical explanation would even really make sense given that whole sequence of events, would it? Well, I mean, if you had an iPad doctor that just wanted to get you out of the office, he'd be like, well, you had a seizure, you got epilepsy, out of here, bye. Right, well, you know? we have Canadian healthcare, so they don't spend much time with you, and they definitely don't want to run tests for stuff like that. But the fact that I described it happening to my friend as well made them discount it even more. Oh, oh yes. Right, because oh, it doesn't yes. make sense. Why would two people with radically different phys- physiologies have the same experience in the same period of time in the same place? So, you know, I'm sort of curious to see what, uh, <laughs> you know, abduction experts and alien theorists have to say about this sort of uh, experience because it was fucking weird. But, like, you know, two things could happen to somebody that could be weird in the same place at the same time. Maybe there's a gas leak. Maybe you got bit by the same insect. Maybe you guys uh, got a little too close in the game and, you know, shared a drink or something. Uh, And you both got Norwalk virus of some kind, and that's how it expressed itself. I don't fucking know. Like, you could could look at it in all kinds of different ways, but doctors would be not inclined to really – you never know. It's not really – who knows? Yeah. Uh, but that is awfully strange. And, and it, you, you know, see, like, that's the thing. Those are the kind of stories that people that, tell me in the Uber. Yeah, neither of us ever had anything like that ever happen again for the rest of our lives. Wow. Yeah. But And it was my, it was around that time when you guys were, like, hanging out. Yeah. Well, we hung out. We continued hanging out forever. We both went through the Golden Dawn system. Um, and both, you know, he's still, we're both, yeah, he's a he's an Adlerian psychologist now and, and clinical counselor and, I became a, a you know priest, and but we both lived very spiritual uh, and psychologically uh, focused lives. Uh, we're definitely not really uh, acquainted anymore, you could say. But um, that was it. That just as an isolate, just as an experience, that was something that I still I can never. I've never been able to wrap my head around it. And uh, yeah, but hearing about abduction stories, talking about that point of light and that sort of that consumes you, and then you yes. then you lose time but like and there was such a massive feeling of difference of time between when i blacked out and when i hit the side of the bathtub that was the that was very strange but maybe that's normal for people who have fainting spells the epilepsy thing doesn't make sense to me either because neither of us have ever had you know what actually that's not true he has actually passed out since then oh he did he and i see him pass out he he would pass out since then and like wet himself actually and have these little seizures that's the case i can't believe i've never remembered that till this very well, you know moment. now and also now that you're talking about it um you know if you said you had a lot of i noticed you said you had a lot of sugar candy soda yeah. shit like that yeah exactly now, let's See, say you're having a really great time with your friends okay and you're young you're you, and maybe you're getting into your teenage years and, and it's sort of because when you're young you can just fucking eat anything oh yeah and do anything but you get to a certain age where yeah, that sort of catches up to you well um I noticed uh, this is based on just something that uh, – let's just put it this way. It's possible that let's say you wake up, you're having fun with your friends. The first thing you drink in the morning is a soda or the first thing you eat is a Snickers bar. Well, I think what you can do is long story short is you can trip your blood sugar out. You can cause like a spike and then I think you get something called orthostatic hypertension. 
I think that might be the phrase, or I've really fucked it up, and that's like, or that's yeah. I think I think it might be orthostatic hypertension where uh, you pass the fuck out. I've, you could that can happen. I think. See, I've always chalked it all up to something like that. That's how I've always interpreted it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and I haven't really thought about that for a few years. But yeah. that's just something that pops into my head. Yeah. Anyway, it is what it is, right? Yeah, it's also possible that like the blood could empty out in the same way or in the same channel, and then cause you to lose balance in the same direction. Also, depending on, or depending on if you're a left or right-handed person, you could be more or less likely to favor one direction as you fall down. Per se, I would imagine you'd have to ask like a special forces person that like watches somebody like Hillary Clinton. You know, she could just like oh, in any minute, and then you got to catch her. You know, so those <laughs> people would be more likely to know. Um, Hmm. I definitely have like one oh man I have kind of like the last the last week or two has been really fucking weird for me man oh yeah um, I can definitely chalk it up to some honestly some more fictional experiences with some fictional things that you know I'm going to be very coy to talk about um, because I've been trying to cut back on my marijuana usage I've been smoking way too much and uh, long and the short of it is um, I basically have been uh, fictionally microdosing with something else and to taper it off and get get off of it and it kind of worked so yeah um, my what's, smoking what's... went way down but it also factors into some other spiritual stuff I was doing I know you we spoke earlier before the podcast about maybe making this three hours I really don't know how long it'll go oh, but I I'm do a... want to talk about those experiences in the last few weeks but I'm gonna hold off on those and maybe you could remind me if I forget I kind of have it written down here um, What's the but I, I wanted to ask you some questions about aliens because sure. you are a much more experienced uh, and sincere occultist than I have been. Um, I have so my so, so like with my friends, I had some D and D buddies, but our primary interest was in magic. He got into magic by uh, his friend got him a copy of Liber Null actually, yeah, and he had been he now he was he has a real photographic memory and has really picked up on all the information he got in history class and. His parents really had some great information sitting around the house, and he's definitely no schlep when it comes to history and religion, and he's definitely got one up on everyone else around him in class. Um, guy cannot spell worth the fuck, but doesn't mean he's not a genius, right? So Yeah, hey, look at R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Agent nothing but a number, right, Aaliyah? Okay. So. Oh, God. He couldn't spell, uh, he couldn't she spell died either, and everything worked out great for him. Yeah, and and Aaliyah too. Yeah, trigger warning, people. I just watched both both like all eleven episodes of that documentary because someone made me promise I would, and I did. And uh, I'm glad I know. I'm glad I have that information now. You know what I mean? Like there were some things and some patterns that I think we all need to learn to recognize, both personally, interpersonally, and societally. Like seriously, if we don't start learning from our fucking mistakes as as a human race like seriously like we're on the verge of another sort of fascist world war almost it's crazy i don't know all the details and i couldn't put all the right pieces in places and i don't claim to but it, it feels that way it feels, it feels that way like see we weren't really alive for any serious wars you and i but i that's why i'm i but i'm feeling this vibe globally 
that I recognized from studying the Second World War because that's a major study of mine. And I was mentored by Nicholas Goodrich Clark for my PhD. That I, he died before I could finish it, and he is the author of *The Black Sun*. Understanding the Secret Rights of the SS, Savitri Devi, Hitler's Priestess, and most importantly, the Occult Roots of Nazism. Because he understood that this is something that happened very largely as a result of a spiritual impetus. And that's something people need to be aware of. An ideological, spiritual motivation is what very much played a factor for both the Italian fascist movement as well as like I mean you know I hate to say it but Julius Evola was was one of those people into that uh, oh you know, man come on you're opening up a really lot of rabbit holes right now uh, that's that's what I do baby oh man hold on you got a lot of rabbit holes opening up right now with that oh man know how to i don't know how to approach some of that um okay so what i would say just to like move forward before we move too forward if the energy really got that heavy in the uber and we were talking about something like that and they were like what do you mean spiritual thing in world war ii what are you talking about i'd be like hey man just uh, go on google check out bbc occult something or other world war ii just look up what the bbc has to say about it and start there yeah if you don't know anything about it and then if you watch that that's just mainstream shit from like 10 15 20 years ago and you'd be like what in the fuck yeah. you know Unless you've got no brain cells or nothing, I mean, there's some weird shit you're going to see just in that mainstream documentary. Yeah. It should make you ask questions. And the book's out now on Crowley as one of those gentleman spies. Like, there's there's no doubt that England used a lot of these gentleman aristocratic spies who were able to move freely around the world and, and, and just, you know, I don't think he did much. I think he just would talk to significant people and report back on what they were up to. I don't think he did had a big influence. But I haven't read the book, so maybe... I know we wrote all those like pro-Nazi articles and stuff, and oh. it, 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 I, I don't like some people say that. Well, a lot of Crowley, I'd say that he was doing it for a reason, and he was trying to like uh, basically collect people towards him that he could keep an eye on and then report back to British Secret Service. But kind of makes some sense. Yeah, you I know, think, I think it was also possible he sort of just liked the clout to uh, help. Uh, find uh, backers for his spiritual work, financial backers, you know, get close to, uh, you know, he, he ran out of, Oh, I'm sure that wasn't far from his mind yeah, ever. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was, Why should it be? He's a well-known sort of shyster character and uh, a, a mischievous guy. And that's, Oh my uh, God, dude. I got to get real with you, dude, for my lack of scholarship, because uh, when I started researching Jack Parsons, th this was the biggest uh, revelation to me that I didn't quite understand. See, when you don't know nothing and you hear all this Aleister Crowley and you know you're like near the end of his life, running the OTO like some god, you know, like, you know, Colonel Kurtz in his cave. Yeah. Well, the OTO Lording over his, his, his army of loyal men. You get this image that he had like this like spider web of, of felomites all across the world but setting up his religion. He, he had very few pockets. Hardly anyone left gave a shit about him. It pretty much almost yeah, died dude, out in no, his like, lifetime. What? I did not know that. Yeah, no, uh, that's something people don't know. And I think maybe with the third season of Strange Angel, we're going to realize that more. Um, he did, had did, very. Are we even going to get a third season? I, I heard it got canceled. Oh no way! Did you? Um, I think I think we're getting a third season. I mean, how can they not? do the bit with Hubbard because definitely they want to do anything that because takes lawyers, down, anything that takes down Scientology, a, a notch is, is a big on the agenda of mainstream Hollywood. Do they have a budget to defect, to defend themselves from that? Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know. Wanted to keep out the defectors that are invariably going to insert themselves into that and try and be very, 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 like, about not making people know what actually happened because I learned that the OTO, basically, and the Scientology, they're an embarrassment to each other, and they would rather not anyone know the other one exists. Yeah, I think I think that might be the case. Um, of course, the OTO has so little power and influence compared to Scientology, right? I mean... Oh, yeah, especially if you... It's, well, based on what I understand and know now from the very little studying I did, that this is what got me and what really bothered me, dude, is... It made it – so when you first hear about it, you're like, oh, so Jack Parsons was just this crazy guy that just had – he was just this weird defector in the whole OTO scheme. It's like, no, nah, dude, the dude was running the thing. Yeah, he was. He, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, well, between him and, and, and Stanfield Jones uh, up in Vancouver where I'm from, uh, you know, there wasn't much else going on as far as I understand. Again, I'm not one of the experts on the history of the OTO, but I'm pretty well versed in – what was going on in British Columbia as well as in California. I recently discovered there's all this other stuff that was going on around Santa Rosa and up in NorCal, of course, with, like, the guy here, uh, was it Louis Stevenson and another guy who were writing to Berridge, who was a GD adept in England, to get sex magic rituals. They were creating different centers around California doing that. I had no idea, like, how intense it was. Um, it's quite a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't understand either that Dion Fortune was so into sex magic, and I I, I know very little was about she? that. Yeah, she had created like a sex cult kind of, and it was all about having syzygies and whatnot. And did the you? context that I'd heard about it was that she had worked with somebody, um, and she had realized this person was their own syzygy, and she was like, "Oh wow, that's the thing," oh, you I know. Didn't know that? Do you have any sources on that at all? Off the top of my head, no, I don't. Um, Although I might have heard about it from the works of Oliver St. John. Okay. Sinjin. Who? Oliver Sinjin. (laughs) Most people in North America don't actually realize that when you see the name St. John spelled, uh, the way it's actually pronounced in in England and Ireland is pronounced Sinjin. Did you know that? No, I did not. What does that mean, though? Sinjin. That's how they pronounce St. John. So, like, there's a famous pub in Dublin. Uh, that was named after the writer Oliver St. John Gogarty. But it's the way it's pronounced is Oliver Sinjin Gogarty. So when you see St. John, it's pronounced Sinjin. Like a gin of sin. Well, you know, the British like to say things in a weird way. Like, like you know, the name, the name, the name Beauchamp, the, the, which is a common British name, even though it's a French word, it's pronounced Beecham. Beecham. Yeah, anytime in a British show you see like, oh, Mrs. Beecham, Mrs. Beecham's coming for tea. It, the, the name is Beauchamp. But it's okay. Yeah, so just like St. John is pronounced Sinjin. Yeah. Anyway. I had no idea. Yeah, I I, well, I think it, I, I think it was in some of his it. works that I saw it. And I, I'm, I'm into a lot of his material right now. I'm reading his Enter of the Threshold, which is like his neophyte material, for somebody that would like maybe considering – uh, reapplying himself to the path, but well, tell as you me tell, more. my journal really sucks. No, and, uh, you, I really got to get better at this shit before I get any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, tell me more about the. I've been trying my whole life to get good at this journal shit, and I just I don't know what it is, man. It's like a guy. It's like it can't get hard or something. It's, yeah, it just I can't. Like, explain it. I, I actually like that metaphor of not being able to write in the journal as not being able to get 
hard, as you say, because writing in your journal is, is in very many ways sort of like the completion of the Tetragrammaton. It very much is the secret to manifestation, right? If you can't write what you did down in your journal, how do you expect it to manifest in your life? Yeah, that ha- probably has something to do with the podcast that we're doing right now. Well, you know, I had a really fucking crazy experience the last oh, two weeks, and I... Man, I'll look at. I mean, this is what I got. I got her love is eternal. I got Sophia wins. I got her light is all penetrating written across like three. It's it's not good. It's oh, not yeah. good. It's so, not good uh, journaling at all. Shall ins- Let's shall put it I that inspire way. you for a second. Hold on one second. Just yeah, like, sure. Let me. Uh, yeah, because sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know. Good positive examples can create a healthy egregore. So here we go. Look at that. We got wrapped in silk. Oh, that's awesome. There's a, these are three of my old journals, which I've taken with me too, because I'm uploading every single page of every single magical diary over all seven years of my Golden Dawn training to my Patreon group and to my students. And eventually that'll be released as a complete course. Of course, on top. I, Ooh, I want to join now. You got to tell us how to get there, man. I have my little wooden box on top which is cool like you can see bump bump and there's the spice so there we go magical journals and the spice melange what else do you need so here we go we got neophyte we got practicus and we got a dream journal yeah neophyte journal there we go just so you can see because we're on video but other people don't have that and then we got my practice journal and my pathworking slash dream diary journal. And I'll bibliomancy an entry for you. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Look at that. Isn't that sexy? So here oh, yeah. we have, we have, oh, <laughs> check this out. I thought I was going to be able to read you a short entry, but this is actually, we're currently looking at page two and three of an entry from the starts on the page before. And it says 12, 22, 97. Eighth night of waning, night of winter solstice. Oh my god. Walking to Temple Tehuti, I visualize my rituals. It is surprising how effective they are, especially when I visualize the rituals taking place in my temple in Malkuth. LBRP, BRH, AMP with circulation. Two, at Temple Tehuti, we had a large social gathering and recognized the solstice. In the Wiccan pagan tradition, there would be quite a large ceremony to honor the second Sabbath. However, in the GD tradition, there is none. The equinox is held to be the more important in the Golden Dawn. Just now, I performed an LBRP. I felt so restless during it, I couldn't imagine doing more. Frater RC, <laughs> 2 equals 9. I'm sure nobody's ever felt that feeling GD. before. So there you go. There's a, there's a little entry from 1997. That was amazing, dude. Thank you. Uh, I was very honored for you to read that. Oh, I, and, I, and we all are to, to have heard that. That was that was really cool, man. I'm, I, oh. think, I think especially during those years of training and going through the lesser alchemical circulation, uh, I think journaling is, is really crucial. Um, you know, but, you know, there's some people who aren't big fans. I also think if, you, if you're better with audio, doing an audio journal is not, not, too, not too bad. I'm not. You know, I might do that and uh, just work uh, a little diligently to back up the copies and maybe uh, transcribe them to hand as much as possible afterwards sort of thing. Yeah. And that might be easier for me. I really appreciate you showing me that. That was, I believe that's going to be extremely helpful 
for me and my path, and I greatly appreciate it. Well, Thank you. It's all about building up our egregores, right? That's one of the powerful things about having uh, magical mentors or being part of a practicing temple or a group is you really encourage each other just being around people who are all doing the work, right? Where that's weird. I felt something leave me. I don't even know what. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not a fucking expert, but um, I have like kind of. Uh, I guess we could talk about maybe what I went through a little bit last experience. Um, so like the you know let's say um. So the thing I was microdosing with is the number of new eat. If you're down with that kind of a thing, and that's all I'm gonna say. So um, that's what I was using, and I had had very little marijuana for the evening because that was the whole point. I was uh, I had. Ooh, where do I start with this? Oh, I know where to start with this. I know. I got it. That's uh, that's the, that's this is an order of how it happened, and this is why I need to write it down, which is what we're doing. Okay. So um, yeah, I had been. Uh, dosing with New Eats number uh, and bringing my usage down uh, from marijuana from like seven grams a day down to oh, like a, a, a snap or two a day. Yeah, and you know it's really like I think I think when I calculate the money out, that's something like two and a half packs a day or something like that, money wise or something. It's not it's not it's not good for your pocketbook. No, there was a period. That's actually why I I, I went off uh, weed and and drinking everything once for a, a solid year because I did the calculation and between everything, I think I was spending like, you know, five to $700 a month. <laughs> right. And, and uh, it creeps on you. I, I, you know, and I've spoken to my, my mother about this quite a bit. Uh, she's like a, she's a, a very wise nurse. Like she actually is, is a specialist in conscious dying and, uh, was a friend of Elizabeth Keebler Ross. Um, and she she basically wrote the curriculum for World University. Um, you know, you can look her up. She's not alone. Uh, Mary Helen Madrid Knoll. She might have a podcast. She knows a lot about medicine and shit too. Anyway, I'm gonna kind of plug for mom shamelessly. I like Love medicine you, mom. and shit. Um, God, I hope she didn't hear everything I just said. Fuck me. Okay. Uh, anyway, no she did. No um, so See, that's the trick about doing a three hour podcast. No one no one really listens to the, them, and if they do, they don't hear everything. I don't know if we'll get to three hours, but I definitely am. I definitely got some stuff written down that I'm, I definitely think should move closer to the end. Right, <laughs> at, least, at least, they're more I like have, questions I want to ask you. I've got some questions I want to open ask up. You, so we're, we're definitely just going to go with the flow. Okay, because usually my shows run about an hour to an hour and a half, and I try to make them two hours, but then they just get to like an hour and a half, hour eighteen minutes after editing. I don't really actually feel a need to edit this show. Well, we're at fifty nine uh, minutes cause, now because we're it... stumbling through essays usually. Okay, we're at fifty nine minutes, and I I feel like we just started, and actually I can't believe how fast the time has flown. Well, you know what? You have a I'm great, gonna, You're a great We'll talker. do a little hybrid of, of uh, control between you and me and how long it goes, and we'll see. We'll go with the flow. So always, um, always. So so um, okay. So I'm doing this thing, and I'd gotten. I was like, I need to stop this, you know. And I, I think suddenly it's because you've probably got all these these uh yeah. I don't want to go that far. So um, I'm with new I'm with new eats number, and I'm getting my dosage for down. List, for listeners, and, what are you talking about when you're talking about new eats number and who is new? She's, Nuit, in the book of the law, she says, um, all of you are, you know, all of you of me are of this number, and I am of this number. Okay, so you're going with the book of the law rather than Egyptian mythology here, just to be clear. Well, I guess if it's like new Egyptian mythology, you know, I, I, this is what I've learned recently is that you can actually, uh, there's, you can divorce Thelema from a lot of uh, Crowley's um, 
some of Crowley's aggregory, I guess you could say. And I, and I believe this to be even more true about now from what I've learned about the history of the OTO and about how Jack Parsons was running the lodge at a certain point. I feel even more strongly about that conviction. And I tend to agree with Oliver St. John in that general assumption. And I know that I think we may have discussed some of this like briefly, uh, like a few weeks ago, just bipping and booping on the on the Instagram or something. But um, mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't say that what he's messing around with or what his school is is left hand path per se. But um, I don't know. I don't want to get too too off off the path. But um, I think there is some validity to the Book of the Law that actually does dovetail and move towards the uh, ancient Egyptian wisdom. At least from what little I know, I haven't found a lot of it to be invalid yet. Let's say, it is, um, it although is, the direction is. that the OTO went and some of the things that they did, I do have some words about it from my very uneducated pre knowing anything stance. Uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's like, a, for instance, I'll just can I sum it up and just say, like, uh, Jack Parsons was maybe doing some free love stuff, but um, he was the person who was going to bring the religion of love to the stars uh, like. He was the one that was helping ground Babylon on this earth before we discovered that, you know, shit in the Nag Hammadi, before the whole free love thing broke out loose on the earth, before those energies were uh, well balanced or contained or focused or whatever they needed to be by the masters. He never got to work with Crowley. Crowley never got to meet Marjorie Cameron. Who knows what kind of weird shit they would have got together to do with the beast and the, you know, Babylon herself, you know, bringing the father to the, the daughter, so to speak. I don't know everything, but I think something might have happened. And what we got was just Jack Parsons blown himself up. And we got like this half-ass, half-botched, half-aborted, like militant, like feminism but anti-feminine sort of thing that just took like a very base and primal um, sample of the energies that were available and built from that like a seed into a tree that is a bit more like ragged and scraggly and scary than, you know, it was intended to be per se. And maybe with the right sort of love and care, we can fix it. But well, we need to, because the goddess definitely needs us. And well, no, 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 we need the goddess. Actually, that's more like it. Uh, But I I have some words about that. I'm getting to there. I'm getting to there. Um, So hanging out with 11. Okay. Okay. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, so like, and like, um, I know. So I lie down in my bed because I'm I'm getting it's getting late. Oh, this isn't true. I actually have. There's actually some sex magic that that is that occurred. Oh God, good, good gracious. We can't just, man. There's more to this story. Okay. How the fuck do I open this story? So, okay, I guess we just work our way from the middle backwards, and then we go back to the middle and go forwards. Very bad storytelling. But this is why... Yeah, it makes me... It already reminds me of The Witcher. Oh, The Witcher. Oh, man, see... I didn't know what was going on. They kept jumping timelines without telling me, and I was so confused the entire time. I'm like, I really want to like this, but I don't know what is happening. I sincerely enjoyed the experience, but I found... I found it to be very thick, like like rich cake, and I could take like two or three bites, like after somebody getting burned to death and like walking through a city, which is like people crying and stuff. I was like, I can take like 15, 20 minutes of this, and I'm good. I don't know why. Like, so I loved the game, couldn't get through it. Maybe my podcast is like that for some people. Oh, well, but I was talking about the TV show, the movie of The Witcher. 
Oh, I haven't started yeah. it yet, but yeah. I'm sure it's good. So I, yeah, no, I, I'm not a video game guy. The last game system I owned was a it was a Super Nintendo. Ooh, um, love me some video games, my friend. Yeah, well, That's for sure. Yeah, no, um, I feel bad. Like, actually, actually made a conscious decision in my early teens to give up video games because I knew that they were going to get better and better. A PlayStation came out, <laughs> Bushido Blade. <laughs> And I would play with my friends when I was Oh, like, but Shido Blade was that, amazing! Why do they not have games like that anymore? But anyway, I knew I had to give it up because I knew that my lifetime was limited. And I thought, okay, this is a sacrifice. And, you know, my parents were like, well, you can't make money doing that any either. And I was like, oh, I guarantee you if I keep going at the rate I'm going... I, when I was 10, I was I won the Vancouver in Street Fighting Street Fighter 2 tournament. Oh, so you're, you're like gifted. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> at Street Fighter 2, I was beating like these these advanced Asian players and they were just like, who the fuck is this fucking 10 year old? And I'm like, Oh, my parents got divorced last year. So that's how this happened. <laughs> you know, I w- I had plenty of money after the divorce because they were guilty and, and, uh, I spent all my time playing street fighter too, but I gave up video games cause I knew that, and I knew that I could get rich playing them if I stayed with it. But I also was getting into magic and spirituality on a very deep level. And I just felt that, uh, you know, Maybe maybe if I live to a ripe old age, I'll get into video games and just plug myself in direct line to my neck, like Neo, and just you know live my immortal years as a as a elf in some uh, fancy world, preferably forgotten realms. Oh my goodness, man! Don't get me started about what universe I would be starting in. No, stop! Don't think about that. Oh man, uh, I would be enjoying some of a little bit of the ultra violence in Grand Theft Auto, my dear. Oh yeah, yes. you, you and everyone. I don't else know if they've put an umbrella in the game yet, but I certainly hope they would for old me. Grand Theft Auto. Old Alex boy. Grand CEO Theft Lucifer Auto. I call myself in that universe. I don't have this accent there. Maybe I should. Well I tell you something, lad. If you keep that accent and go to Ireland, you'll get a good bottle over the head when you're not looking. Oh, I believe it. Well, the amount of I, was times little, I, heard, I was doing a little. I expended a little bit earlier. The um, amount of times in Ireland, man, of someone heard my accent and was like, "Yo, let's go fuck up the American." Oh, not. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do very good on that. One time, I uh, heard someone say something, and I said, "I'm Canadian." You know what they said? That's even fucking worse. That's even worse. <laughs> and I was just like, "Fair, fair." Play. I'm gonna have to pop your colleague and your Nogginschlosser now, boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just a, they're they're the Fighting Irish, man. They just they'll they'll pop each other a few and go back into the into the pub drinking as best friends. I hear you that's know. healthy, but I wouldn't know. I'm not much of one of those people. I yeah, guess well, maybe unless it comes to I'll words, to I can do that with County. words. When things open up, we can get together near your place at Ventura County, have a few beers, and then beat the fuck out of each other, and then see if we can get back into the pub. <laughs> You'll just beat the fuck out of me. It'll be great. It'll be, we'll have a good time. Well, it's like they let each other hit each other, right? It's like I hit you as hard as I can, you hit me as hard as I can. We do it a couple more times, and then oh, we keep drinking. That's sort of how it seems snap. to go. Right, they're not trying to shit kick each other and hospitalize each other. They just want to, you know. Part of part of it's, I think, a display of manliness for the girls around because they're like, "Oh Jesus, look at that one! Couldn't he take a good shot?" <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I'll, I'll get, I'll go with that one, and you go with the other one. I tell you what, you scrap me one in the balls, and I guarantee you, your dick will still get hard later when you're ramming her down her throat. Oh, Something man. like that. It's- I woke up once in in Ireland in Galway during race week. And I was having this crazy sex dream, like this crazy sex dream. Like I was like 
on the verge. And it was like, I could hear it. I could feel it. And it felt like I could, my feet were moving, like with the motion of this gorgeous girl's body and stuff. And I, I, I suddenly wake up and I look up and there's this girl's head on my feet. And there's this guy just pounding the fuck out of her. And they're just fucking their brains no, out. No, no. And I was, I was, I was working managing this, um, this uh, B and B, this ten bedroom B and B at Knocknakara Cross in uh, Galway near Salt Hill, and and it was race week, so all the rooms were sold out, and it, we, I even had to let out my room and sleep in the living room downstairs behind a sofa in my sleeping bag. And this lad and this lass had decided because his ten brothers were in the room with him to come down to the living room and start, you know, banging in the living room against the window behind the sofa where my feet were and there her head was on my feet they didn't notice me at all and they're just like pounding the fuck out of each other and so i didn't know what to do i'm naked in my sleeping bag so get this i just wait there for a bit longer and like you know my erections sort of conflicted now because it's not a dream it's real it's still turning me on but also it's really happening so i'm pretty conflicted and confused and in shock as well because it's 7 a.m so what i do what do i do i just get up starkers stark naked stand right up full display they both turn and look at me and they had moved actually to the sofa by then so my feet were free they just turn over see me start naked i just look at them i'm like good morning i'm gonna go make breakfast and there's <laughs> in there these two naked irish people and i just went into the kitchen to start making coffee and 10 minutes later the lad comes in in his boxer he's like sits down he's like hey i my brothers were in the room so I, I met this bird and i just was like well i gotta do her somewhere so i'll do her down here hope you don't mind i'm like you want some coffee he's like cheers grand <laughs> see that i guess that's how you deal with that it reminds me of what freud said about the irish here is a race on whom psychoanalysis is of no use Anyway, that's incredible. I don't know how we got into that. It's probably the accent you started us on. So continue with your story, though. Oh, most most definitely. So, ah, man, I'm so I host this podcast and um, sometimes I like so I have been single now for a minute. I got I went through this divorce because for uh, some reason I thought that I would be like Jack Parsons. This is before I knew about Jack Parsons and start my own parsonage. Your inspiration for getting a divorce was Jack Parsons? No, actually <laughs> I think I was just trying to live Jack Parsons' life before I knew who Jack Parsons was. I only know that in retrospect now. Just to, Just to keep it, you know... I was dealing with some very interesting ideas about what love meant and ownership, and I was messing with some ideas I'd heard in feminism, you know, and I was very much rejecting the traditional ideas in marriage, you know, the idea that women are property and that sex equals ownership. And let's just keep it brief at that. You were and rejecting the idea that women are your property. Yeah. That sounds you know, like a there's, good idea, you, bro. There's some stuff that comes with that, especially if the woman has any sexuality at all and you are sincerely pursuing these ideas and you think you have a good basis of communication and you think oh. you both know who you are. And then you do something like that and it really throws things for a loop. Um, and uh, maybe I shouldn't have even fucked around with stuff like that because, uh, you know, we had a kid. 
which we sort of conceived uh, doing, like, basically, we were making love, and I was imagining myself as the sun, she was imagining herself as the earth, and our love was like, uh, you know, the, the, the light that was fructifying the earth, and at the time, I had been practicing for like four or five years, basically what people nowadays called nofap, and that's why my eyes got all like, burr, burr, when he brought up Julius Evola, because he's like, thou shalt never come in thy wife. I don't know what sort of accent he had, but What's thou no shalt fab? never come in thy wife, yeah, thou shalt always be hard, I'm a bit, or you'll go I'm a, to the sin land and the serpent shall lower its head down. And a, I'll just, you got to help me out here, brother. I'm a bit older than you, so what is no fab? No fap. No fap. What is that? <laughs> oh, man, I got to explain this. Yeah, this is wonderful. Dude, dude, I'm Gen X, baby. I'm not one of you millennial zoomer types oh now don't put it that way sir don't don't be beating me like that because if you are very serious about uh wanting to resist this global fascist revolution you, uh, you really certainly should know about nofap because it's a very important part of the ideology of the radical nazi mysticism way of thinking explain okay here's <laughs> the idea you don't look at porn you do not touch your dick you do not come. That's the deal. That just sounds like basic tantra to me. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about, but Oliver St. John says that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it <laughs> on the Oliver St. John says, he says that uh, if you... He says that a lot of those quote-unquote super advanced quote-unquote left-hand practices or basically shit that was like the lowest level of fucking initiatory practices for like these super secret like oratory only cults that have been operating since time immemorial that have always had to be hidden because the patriarchy has always considered their rituals and rites to be disgusting and inappropriate and worth having your fucking head cut off over and having your children killed and all the fucking rest of it so you really have to keep that shit secret and hidden well, the stuff that, like, the lowest, lowest level shit that they're willing to, like, give out to beginners, that's the shit that, like, Alistair Crowley and these OTO people have, like, taken and made their, like, high grand initiatory sacred formulas and shit uh, as, like, these super high advanced techniques. Just what I've heard. That Don't is a know really if it's true. big problem in spirituality, actually, is you'll get people who learn some basic stuff and then they expand it into this advanced inner mysteries, like like the Mormons taking basic Freemasonry and making that their inner temple. Did you know that the inner temple of Freemasonry is just basic, or the inner temple of Mormonism, the most secret holy of holies of Mormonism, is just basic Freemasonry? No, I didn't know that. Well, it's I own, knew that there was some. I knew there was some correlation, yeah, but no. It's version of it, but it's it's. I had a I had a Mormon buddy describe to me his wedding and the inner temple and all of this stuff, and I was like. That sounds like Freemasonry. He was like, really? I didn't... He's like, I don't know anything about Freemasonry. And I described it to him. He's just looking at me with this horrified stare as I'm describing the only... I only did my first degree in Freemasonry. Um, and I described some of that to him. And he's like, that sounds like the secrets of Mormonism. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oops. <laughs> yeah, my researcher Abe is like, we gotta do a Mormonism episode. And I was like, but we talked about it in the Afterlife episode. So yeah, we gotta do that. Oh. Anyway, continue. Oh, uh, where were we? What was the last thing I said? You said a bunch of things um, about 
prefab, the rituals. Yeah, got it. No fab. All right. So got to get to that. That's a very important. So like you're, you're saying like that's basic Tantra. Like, and then I was like, I got all like, okay. So what I meant to say was, is like, yeah. So like they've incorporated this like very basic left hand path Tantric practice into like, they've woven it into like, that's just the base level, what you always have to do sort of thing. Okay. And um, it tends to make people a bit like, you know, it tends to make a lot of energy go to the head. And it like, okay, let's put it this way, like big fighters and stuff. Like if you're Mike Tyson at the peak of his his thing and that that guy who like kicked all the ass with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they were very sincere no-fappers before a fight. You know, they would not touch themselves before a fight. They would not have sex. They would not ever release their seed before a fight because that was like their essence the, the same the way fluids. that like like it's stanley kubrick's um, dr strange dr. love, strange love. Yeah. the one guy with the cigars explaining about how after if he let his seat out not... he felt like he lost his essence and the, the communist party was out there to try and steal their essence well this dovetails very much with what the uh alt the alt-right has to say about it as well and they believe that like these ultra super secret sneaky jews that are running the world are I'm paraphrasing by the way I don't believe this myself so please yeah. please don't fucking yeah. out misquote me out of context this which I as, certainly as, will have happen to me now this is we'll as fictional about. as reference to drug use it's yes dude we're talking about somebody else's fictional beliefs okay yeah. so these ultra these ultra right Nazi nationalist like resurgence of 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 Nazism Hitlerism. Some of it's just worshiping Hitler, like with the big black sun behind him. But like, they believe that the Jews and the commies and all the rest, like they're all in this network of satanic Luciferian control, and they all own the porn, right? And so every time you jerk off to porn, especially, especially porn, there's de- you, you've definitely got like some evil, some evil, like I don't know. Hebrew evil ghosts coming to like steal the juju yeah. and use it to establish their communistic like pyramid of control and like who knows this idea could be really old and Kubrick was making fun of it. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he was. Cause, I'm sure. Cause, you know, because it's Kubrick. Clearly, he was making and Kubrick was famous for writing curses at people in Hollywood and sending them handwritten letters saying, "I've cursed you." Did you not know this? Did not know that. Oh, so, at all. so uh, on my buddy Edward, on, very honor fratter BT on his Esoterinerd podcast, which is not quite defunct, but he's done a hundred episodes. So he's, I'm going to do one of the last ones coming soon. But he interviewed one guy who actually got one of Kubrick's famous curse letters and framed it and put it on his wall. So Kubrick was famous for doing these sort of curse black magic curses on people that he would wrong to. That was a real thing. Dude, I wouldn't want to get cursed by Kubrick. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, I think he cursed oh, us man. all. Uh, so you, you know, have to do this just no fap thing. And so where so where I come in is I spend some time on 4chan, right? Which you should never ever ever do. Well, if you do go to 4chan, That's just don't listen to any directions they give you. 4chan's a website. Oh yeah, 4chan is this uh, it's, a, it's an anonymous image board, right? Oh, so oh, that sounds that does that does sound scary. Yeah, and it's all uh, completely anonymous, and the web hosts will not give your identification to the the CIA's and the stuff. So you are pretty much free to post whatever, as long as it's not CP. You know, as, as long as it's not child pornography, oh, yeah. you are free to post it. So, um, or the like national secrets or some shit like that. You know, like okay. you, like you really, really, really got to piss off the beast to get to get that happen to you. But like, 
So, like, when Hillary Clinton's emails got leaked, that's, like, where they got leaked, too. Whoa. Do you know what I mean? <coughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the – in this place, and in this place, the whole Pizzagate thing is still very much alive and a thing. And well, it um, should be. I mean, you know about the two Canadian billionaires who are about to leak all the info on the Clintons and then were strangled. Oh, boy, I hope that's true. And then, then they were found strangled in their compound. Strangled. Well, I'm sure they did it to themselves, right? Oh, Just yeah. like uh, Chris yeah. Cornell. Oh, no. Oh, like, all of Canada was like, holy shit, this might prove everything that's being said in the States. And then know what happened? Crickets. Because yeah. they're Canadians, so no one wants to talk about two Canadian billionaires who were probably had the same, probably knew everything that Epstein knew. Oh my God, it's crazy. This is a good part to get into why I stopped listening to the last podcast on the left, this very podcast that got me into podcasting. Okay. I, I, my, my, my researcher still loves the last podcast on the left. I'm sure it's still very well informed and funny. But he sent me an episode, and I put it open, and it, apparently it's one where they talk about the, the the sex magic and the chaos magic they did for the show, which helped make it successful. But I didn't even get to that part in the episode because I got so mad. Because right in the opening, Henry Zabrowski's like, oh, now that everyone who thinks that there's this Epstein conspiracy, now we live in a conspiracy state where everyone thinks there's a conspiracy and everything's a conspiracy. And I'm like... I just my I got my heart rate went up. I was like, dude, you got filthy rich and married a Amazonian redhead hottie because your fucking stinky little goblin naked boy ass got rich off of your little fucking nine eleven podcast, and now you want to fucking browbeat me and the rest of your faithful fucking audience that are conspiracy theorists for being conspiracy theorists. And not just that. It's some shit that's not even bullshit. It's some shit that has basically been proven and has been covered up. What fucking business do you have, Henry Zabrowski, getting angry at us for wanting fucking answers? You don't have any fucking business, do you? Interesting. Hope you hear that, HC. Yeah. You want to come at me, bro? Fucking say some shit. Seriously. Because we do need some answers. Where is Ghislaine Maxwell? Huh? Where is Ghislaine Maxwell? How about that fucking documentary on on CNN or whatever that that one lady was all pissed off about that she had all the whole story. She had people that, was, that, that was gave a, up. That they, they went out of witness protection to tell their story to her. People went out of hiding, went out of safety yeah, that was to awful. tell their story. And then they buried it. And guess what? It's still buried. Yeah. Why? They have no business to do that. Oh, they own it. What? Yeah, okay, you own it. Whatever. That's you don't own shit. That fucking belongs to us. That fucking piece of work needs to come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just no surprise when that they don't that that law enforcement doesn't pursue people who have information that they don't want released. Right? <laughs> if you want to be safe from law enforcement, get some information that they don't want public. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's a little bit crazy that they aren't even looking for her. Uh, yeah, I, I have I have a hard time. With the but word they did find her at the old in and out, didn't they? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, you know she's probably in protection 
from with them. They probably they're probably the ones hiding her. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully she's talking and they're the good guys have her. You know, oh, hopefully God, that's man. the thing. Maybe Henry Zabrowski is trying to protect because he knows that those people maybe he needs to uh maybe he's the good guy and he's making the bad guys think that they need to let their guard down so that they don't let their guard down so that the good guys come in and get the bad guys. I'm sorry, Henry Zabrowski. I shouldn't have doubted you the whole time. I knew you were a secret agent for the good guys. Man, you know what? It's so sad that I'm making all this up about Epstein. Um, we all know that that's all a bunch of conspiracy theory stuff and that you know there's no little kids or children that got hurt in that whole thing. We all know that the royal family is completely innocent. They're the ones that protect us for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I could recommend actually a good guest for you, my uh, old Golden Dawn buddy, Jeff Contreras. He's the guy you want to talk to. I don't know if he would. He doesn't really do this sort of thing anymore, but I'll give him a shout out. See, he's in Austin, Texas. He might do it. He might do it because, you know, anyway. Again, I have a problem with conspiracy theory conversation. The whole, you know what I have a problem with actually is the word conspiracy theory. Because as an academic, I much prefer the, the, the words hypotheses and theory. Some things are hypotheses, like you have some facts, and from those facts you create a hypothesis. Then a, or you don't have facts. If you don't have facts, that's a hypothesis. If you have some facts, that's a theory. And until the proof is in, there's no proof. But you can. there's nothing wrong with developing hypotheses. How else would we advance our understanding of any fucking thing? Well, a conspiracy is just more than one person working on something. Like, you know, it's a pretty basic meaning of something. I mean, to Actually, say that there's no such point. thing as conspiracy theories is to say there's no such thing as people that work together on stuff. So yeah. that's, we can just throw that right out. Well, yeah, no, and I'm then, definitely not saying there's no such thing as conspiracy theories. I'm just saying, um, yeah. Oh, no, I'm agreeing with you is my point. Like, uh, yeah, like we should be able to make hypotheses. And the word conspiracy theories doesn't mean anything anyway. So why, why are we being restricted from thinking? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I mean, the control of information is what's really scary about what's going on right now. Um, yeah, censorship, all of that sort of thing. Uh, it's it's terrifying. And we're entering this strange technocratic dystopia that makes me wonder how long it's going to be until I need to, like, hire some shadow runners to rescue my sister from captivity or something like that you know <laughs> right dude oh my god uh, i'm just afraid i've said too much now but i do have a i do have a question um from one uh i guess maybe i should try and finish my story where i i, I meet uh, sophia because i think anyone who's been listening this long is like finish the fucking story anyone who's been taking the adrenochrome anyone you know, who's been listening god, I this hope long is listening. probably very yeah. stoned <laughs> Or, uh, we you know, see through all time. <laughs> we hear everything. You know, <laughs> that's what they said. Locked in the rooms in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What, what danger are we, dude? I'm especially not any fucking danger, anybody. Um, yeah, no, no, no one cares about uh, about what we say. Trust me. So, um, I didn't get to that part in the episode with Henry Zabrowski and Marcus Parks talking about their chaos magic that they do, but. There's got to be a reason I cannot think of the other guy's name. I'm just not supposed to say it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, anyway, they're I know that they did some sort of probably Libra Null <laughs> chaos magic. <laughs> probably with some wanking. They, they, they are pretty clear that they wanked off on some sigils, okay? So 
you know, and here the whole rabbit, we're not above doing these things either, but I do a little bit differently. So, um, so I'm in a, so here's where I, here's where I come in. Now I've been, I tried to learn this thing many years ago where it's like have trying to have an orgasm, but not like ejaculate. Right. And I've been trying to learn how to do that for like many years and I still don't know if I'm doing it correctly and I still don't know if um, it does anything, but I nonetheless have been practicing for quite a long time. You're like, so, you're like hitting the perineum and stuff? Like, but just clenching off the muscle yeah. completely and yeah. totally. Well, there's also, right? the, there's also the having the orgasm without ejaculating. Yeah, see, I do that, but I don't know if I'm just retro ejaculating into my bladder, which doesn't, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do, but I doubt it. I doubt that's what the fucking master gurus were doing. I think they've done it all, brother. <laughs> then you have to drink the pee. I've never done that, but it's probably what you got to do. Um, you know, you well. know uh, Chris Bennett, the famous author, scholar, friend of mine who had run Soma Institute, he, I think it was him that told me that actually urine is one of the most likely cases for being what was referred to as the Philosopher's Stone. I've heard that too. You know, you there's you know, what makes a little bit of sense about that is what if your body is just so smart that if you tasted a little bit of the pee pee, your body's like, I'm getting too much of that. I'm putting too much of this in the blood. I'm doing too much of that. And then your body just somehow reaches some better sort of homeostasis. Uh, that makes a little bit of sense to so, me. So are we saying that maybe R. Kelly was just an alchemist? Maybe unknowingly. God, we maybe got, we he was. Not. Maybe that's why some people just. Uh, maybe he just wanted to have the biological essence of a little girl because it makes the adrenochrome taste so much better. Uh, I don't know these things. I just make it up. Yeah. So, um, sorry to everyone who are we're joking about this stuff because it's you know it's for me it's like one of those things where like you laugh because it's too awful to cry. They're very close it's, in the brain anyway. It's, it's Yeah, it's just so – I mean I can't even talk about how awful that Epstein to R. Kelly stuff, all that shit is. It's just so awful. We, the only way to deal with it in my experience is to is, is humor and you know, I've, I've survived some things that required humor. So just a little thing. I just want to say that to everyone. Anyone listening, it like you well, know, can we can we honestly say that the Nine of Swords has nothing to do with laughter? Very good point. Shout out to all those tarot people out there. Like just having watched a Clockwork Orange, uh, it okay. seems like there's see there seems to be a thing where when you inflict pain on somebody, you get some sort of a thrill out of it, or at least that's a big theme that's explored in the film. And if there was no truth to it, I certainly and nobody else would enjoy playing Grand Theft Auto or the Doom series, which speak to their success through their sales. And if you let's say I know that the, I know that John Carmack was like really involved in the Doom series and he's a really devoted uh, Setian or Satanist or something. And I just had kind of a brainwave today. I was like, man, if you sincerely believed that like demons and these evil entities are always thirsty for blood right and they always want carnage and violence and they feed off of it well what if they got like a little bit of a thrill or a kick from what happens in the digital world and you could maybe strike a deal with them where you're like okay 
there's because of all the law and order and all the fucking orders we're giving you fuckers to establish our civilization and we demand less carnage and violence for you to feed off of and you're doing more and more of the work well it seems that why don't we do a deal right why don't we have a deal because we know you people like to do deals so much why don't we establish a way for you to feed off of that violence and stuff artificially even though it's not as good but here's the deal you only have a little bit of the real thing and we're going to give you less and less and less of it by establishing more law and order and establishing health and stuff but what we'll do is is we'll give you more and more and more of the fake stuff right and all you have to do is say yes just trade up what you what you what you're asking for here for buckets of the fake shit and you know you know a little bit of I'd rather have a whole mountain of K than a little bit of morphine. So, if I was on the if I was on the motherfucking board of directors, I'd be like, take the deal, buddy. You know, with the humans. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what they were up to, but it's definitely something I've considered. So speaking from the speaking from the world of video game magic and trying to manifest things through the video game world and the whole dimension of nofap. I'm on 4chan, and the plan for these these ultra-right 4chan no-fappers is like, what we shall do is we shall not fap for at least 30 – I can't say 30 – I can't do it. For, I wish – I can't do accents. I'm sorry for everyone's listening. If you're a fan of Henry Zabrowski, you can also handle slipping out of an accent every now and then. It's fucking hard, okay? I'm not even a comedian. So – You have me fooled. Fucking. Um, <laughs> so we got these. Uh, yeah. So what we what we will do is not fat for thirty days, and <coughs> we shall store our magical vril Hitler energy in our magical testicles. And what we shall do is on Hitler's birthday at four twenty, we shall all masturbate to the Führer. And we shall spread our seed over the black sun, and we shall reincarnate the master Hitler so we can worship him in the human form, and he shall bring about the socialist revolution to destroy the left with socialism. We shall destroy socialism with socialism. Wait, what? Anyway, so um, so that was their plan. I was like, oh, that's what they're going to do? Well, I'm going to do it longer than them. So, like, I just did it for, like... 30 days, 60 days at a time. And to be honest, like I had just gone through a divorce because I had like done this stupid lifestyle mistake and, you know, everybody hears about it. And, you know, my wife left me for somebody who is a much better person than me. So, um, and still like to have fun like her. And, uh, everybody saw that and they were like, man, this guy's a fucking loser. And I like, you know, I had a long time for a fucking bad time for a while. Right. And it just wasn't getting laid besides, you know, I, I paid my child support on time every, every week or every two weeks. And you look like I, you're I very happy and have a beautiful kid. If I can tell you that from what I've seen of you online. You yeah, see, we're actually really happy best. now, and my daughter's really happy, yeah. and, like, I had to live in a garage and work uh, doing invasive species removal in 115-degree weather with people that really didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and it was quite dangerous, and I'm very happy I got out of that with any serious injuries besides warts, which are now gone because they fucking, fucking are Take gone. I don't know. Note, he is wart-free. 
word free. I'll, that'll probably be the one really good edit I will edit out of the show. But anyway, so I worked outdoors during the basis for species removal, <laughs> and uh, it was terrible, and I barely survived it. But like, um, long and the short of it is, like, I just wasn't getting laid. I was spending all my free time with my daughter. I don't really go to nightclubs. I don't really go to festivals anymore. And honestly, I do the best in a school setting for some reason, and I wasn't going to school. So just wasn't getting laid. Long story short, we fast forward to this 4chan story, and it hadn't been laid for like a year, two years. It was, it was up to two years. I was like, Margaret Cho says after two years, you're a virgin again. So I was a virgin again. Two years and is the longest you've gone without getting laid? Yeah, after uh, how, two years, you're virgin. How old are you? I'm going to be 33 in, in like four days. Man, I thought you were like 23. You look like 23 on the video here. Fellas might have something to do with the weird nullfapping thing that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe oh, it has it. to do with the it. genes like we were talking about. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, both of us have clearly practiced some Tantra, so there you go, folks. You want to look young, practice Tantra. Well, this guy's got a fucking high-caliber nuclear submarine-type journal, so I'm sure some of that energy has gone into doing that. <laughs> Meanwhile, my journal's like, Oh, Sophia, oh my god, she has a pink dress, I saw her pussy! I'm just like over here, so... Um, when I was lecturing oh, yeah, my at, at a culture in 2018, the Culture Conference in Berlin, and if you haven't been oh, to cool. Berlin... If you haven't been to Berlin, you need to go to Berlin as soon as you can. Um, you know... And if you if you don't know where to go in Berlin, just ask someone about Kit Kat, not the chocolate bar, but the Liza Minnelli Club. Anyway, that's okay. all I'm going to say. Um, that's all I'm going to say. But when I was there, there was a great presentation. I can't remember who they did it on. on they did it on ketamine. And so that's something I know really nothing about. Um, but he... He went ketamine number eleven, my favorite. I think he took it basically as far as one could take it and stay alive. And he's got a wonderful family and kids now and stuff like that. And he's. Like, I can't say I haven't been there three or four times, and maybe I'm going to talk about that. I, as didn't, we I don't know anything <laughs> about it really. I know Genesis P Orge uh, explored those realms in a big way. I'm I'm more mainly a, I'm a mushroom guy. So, so that's where, sort of where I, I uh, focus on. And if I can tell you something about mushrooms, m my first experience was in Ireland. And now in Ireland, you might not know this, but do you know much about fairies? Oh my goodness gracious! No, I don't. But when I was um, doing, when I was in that state that you talked about, where maybe you maybe sh are doing quite a bit. Um, I walked around my neighborhood and I gave out like little pieces of weed that I was trying to give up smoking to little fairy doors. And the Irish accent shit has not fucking stopped, bro. So I don't know if there's a connection there. But that's what I know about fairies. And I do actually have something to say about fairies in terms of aliens. But I'm not done with aliens because I want to ask you a question from a less knowledgeable occultist to a more serious occultist about them and a specific working if you know anything about it. But Let's go. we're not. Yeah. Um, so, like, I want to finish the NoFap story because people are like, finish the story. Um, so it gets to 420, and I'm doing this thing with a friend, and we have, like, a little party in a backyard, and I, I forget what we were doing for. It's 420. That's right. Duh. And because lots – because you got these Hitlerites celebrating um, Hitler's birthday on 420, and then you stoners are trying to get high on 420, and you got the weird goth kids that are, like, trying to celebrate Columbine on 420. And it's Dude, just like, ah, who's going to win? Do you know what? Can I just – quick footnote. I think I just realized the meaning of a song by the Spin Doctors. 
Ooh. I've always wondered what this song meant since I was obsessed with their album when I was 11 or whatever. And they have this song called, like, it's like, what time is it? 4.30. It's not late. No, it's early. Oh, my God. I just realized that's a song about 4.20. Oh, what shit. What time is it? 4.30. <laughs> it's not late. No, it's early as in it's always the right time for weed. Oh, my God. Did I just, uh... did I just deconstruct the spin doctors? And I'm using deconstruct in the improper way, uh, obviously. God, I think I just understood more. You know, you know, your life's complete when the spin doctors start to make more sense. <laughs> I, I've seen in a, a, a book of like drug associations that uh, the K has a strong association actually with Kether. It seems to put it seems to want to rocket you in that direction real quick because the confusion that you seem to experience in that state once you move once you are re- okay because once you start taking it you get buzzy you actually start feeling kind of shitty and it's like you feel bad almost and you almost need to go through like a whole fucking gram of it before you start oh, to feel different and then once you move into that stage uh, the confusion and the uh, contradictions start to like fold in on each other or collide in this way where you can think beyond contradictions and paradoxes and it sounds a lot like what they experience what they describe as um the state of consciousness beyond the abyss and presumably it's just like for somebody who's not initiated and for somebody who only has so much experience you can only like maintain that like without fucking losing it or doing some crazy but for some reason uh, it seems to do that. It seems to rocket you into this, like, pretty close to the city of pyramids or something, dude. Or as much as your mind or body can handle it. And uh, as long as you you do what Aleister Crowley says and you don't, uh, what is it? It's like you don't take these spirits and these things and these ideas, like, totally literally. You have to, like, have some recompense. I don't know if that's a word when dealing with them. But I guess I'm getting a little bit off, off my point here. Um, so... I did the nofap thing, and when I got to 420, there was this girl at the party, and I sort of fucking god, dude. When the when I met her, I feel differently about this now, but when I met her, at the time, she was probably the prettiest, most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And the first thing she said when I when we spoke to, to each other, said we said something about the moon being full, and she's like, "You know, it's hollow and full of lizards, right?" I was like, "This chick is so cool." And then I just spent like the next year being too pussy shit to ask her out, right? Oh, oh. fear but is like, failure, brother. Fear is failure. I know, and you know, you know, what's really great is it all culminated with us watching Midsummer, which the whole movie is about. You are going to get burned in the bear suit if you're a pussy and don't commit. You know what I mean? And I still almost threw up. See, when I first tried to ask her, she almost threw up, and then when I tried to ask her again, I almost threw up. I even took the wrong turn on the way to her house when I could have fucking asked her to go out with me. She probably would have said no because this chick is just not into me, right? I'm too – like she's too young. I'm too old. Like it's never going to work. She's just not into me. She's into other types of dudes. But for some reason, I just got the glint in my eye for her. And honestly, I've kind of grown out of it, you know? Like over the course of that year, it's just like I still think she's really beautiful and she's really cool and stuff. But like – I'm just over it and like – and I sincerely mean that because here's here's what happened is um, I'm probably doing this no-fap thing. I'm probably only like 10, 15 days in or something and – See, in my generation, we just called it doing the Hartnett. Interesting. The Josh Hartnett. Remember that movie with Josh Hartnett where he doesn't 
ejaculate for like 30 days or 27 days or something like that. See, oh, no, awesome. I should see it though. Yeah, man. And then at the end, Shannon Sosamon, you know, uh, Heath Ledger's friend, she just tickles him with a feather and he explodes. That's so like, that's the, that's the 1990s version of no fap. It's called doing the heart knit. <laughs> you know, I heard, I just learned uh, through this person I'm going to tell you about that Sosa. And what's funny is we found, it's funny you said that that was actually one of the words in her email. And I'm not going to say the rest cause I don't want you fucking talking to her freaks yeah i have, I have um, oh yeah, yeah. We, we all have lots of times time free to uh message your ex paramours oh my, my i hope she's never my ex my no. whoever i'm talking to now oh this um, is so, oh, good for you man go for love chase that love. so yeah and like so she, this person emails me and she has uh um Sosa in her email. There's other stuff in it. Like I said, I'm not going to tell it to you, but I just learned. She just learned today, and I just learned through her that Sosa stands for um, Survivors of Spiritual Abuse. So, like, if you see that, yeah, it's like a. I could talk about like that a, for hours. It's like a quiet uh, thing. So, um, this girl emails me, and um, she's listened to like every show. And she's like going back to listen to it again, and she just like she just kind of digs the, the cut of my jib, I guess. And we start talking, and we kind of exchange birth charts, and it what's, got what's your really sign? weird when we exchanged birth charts. Oh shit! You know, be careful those astrology girls. The last two girls I dated were both astrologers, and all they would talk to me about after seeing my chart was my chart. And I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm a human being right here that you could actually ask me questions rather than tell me about what you think about myself, it's problematic. <laughs> you know, I really don't deserve this chick. She's got like a stable job. She's got <laughs> a nice place. She's got a good relationship with her family. Uh, she's, she's supportive of her friends. And she's drop dead gorgeous. Um, so, and she knows that she knows all this. Brother, don't uh, sell you know, yourself short, man. I really don't deserve her at all. But she emails me, and um, we start talking, and it gets really weird when we exchange birth charts, right? All right, okay, continue. So, <laughs> now, <laughs> this is—I am not being paid for this, but I'm going to make a plug for an app right now because it's weird. And I've heard—I've heard the story of this app is like. It's grown from nothing, and people have found it. And they're like, "I can't believe it," because it blows your mind. Every like, it blows your mind. It's called the pattern. Man, this is a terrible plug for an app. It's called the pattern. Put in your fucking birthday, and whoever wrote the program for this fucking app must be Merlin himself Whoa. or herself, because it's correct. For these some days, reason. I it think seems- Merlin's a woman because of all like the retconning going on. Definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, dude. Like. Merlin was a black gay woman. Let it happen. I don't care. So Merlin was, Merlin wrote this app called The Pattern. And this fucking app is so good. It's scary. It doesn't even cost money. You just get it. You put in your birthday. And then it tells you some shit that it absolutely should not know. And it's not even a little bit vague. It's it's like I just – it speaks for itself. It's free. You check it out blow your mind and it does it has this feature right and i have actually seen other pop culture astrology stuff that's spooky accurate like uh there's this really big book called sextrology where it's like oh a gemini man and an aquarius woman right or dude dude, i'm a gemini man 
and oh no, I'm an Aquarius man, and my ex-wife was an Aquarius a Gemini woman, and then my ex-fiance was a Gemini woman, and never again, baby. To quote Merlin from the classic Excalibur, never again. <laughs> was uh, if this is asking too much? Was like the sexual chemistry similar? Was it like a similar thing? Crazy good sex, like crazy good. Uh, with both, though, with right? Both, yeah. Gemini's and okay, Aquarius. Okay, yeah. We have crazy because Gemini's are up for anything, and Aquari- Aquarians are kinky as fuck. Okay, so yeah. What's so the it's app like, called? What's the app called? Again. Okay, so the app is called The Pattern. I'm doing it. But the the other experience I have with a pop culture thing being totally right is sextrology because and it'll be like the sextrology book is like this big tomb. It's like Gemini man, Leah woman, you know, and it'll describe what the sex and like what the attraction will be like, and it's like spooky, spooky accurate. At least for me personally, I can't speak for everyone, but it's spooky, spooky accurate. Um, and. Where was I going with this? Um, so we exchanged uh, we exchanged birthdays in the pattern, and holy fucking moly! Like, I think I should preface to say before this, uh, both I and her, both like both I and her had gotten to the point lately because, like I said, like I just wasn't getting laid, and the last time I did get laid was like a year ago. When, like, I felt, like, a little peer pressured into it because there was another lonely person and all my friends hooked me up with this person and I probably shouldn't have done it. And I feel really bad for what happened between us. But, like, that happened after, like, two years of no sex. And I had sex with that person and then another year went by and I just gave up. I was like, whatever. I'm just never going to have sex again. I'm never going to have a girlfriend again. I'm never going to make out with anyone again. I'm just going to be single. And then that's when this girl hit me up. So... I had been doing no fab for a long old time and like we were falling in love. We fucking showed each other our app and the, our, our stuff in the pattern. And the pattern was like, you and this fucking person are fucking meant to be like, it's not even, it's like, this is not like something we always say. They're like, you and this person are the fucking, like you, you do like, this is like a big deal. And it was like one thing after another, it was like this alignment, that alignment, this alignment, that alignment, this alignment. And it was telling us all these things. She, she and then she's been told her, you know, earlier in her life that she was going to meet her soulmate around her thirtieth birthday. It's like two days before her fucking birthday, dude. We start talking. We're and then this is it, man. Like we just started sharing music with each other, and we're both DJs, okay? Right? Okay. We're both DJs, and we both love to DJ for our friends. And so our way, of, she's like, she just tells me right up because she's a good communicator. She's like. You know, music is my love language. So, um, yeah, music is my love language. So we probably should just go for like another 30 minutes because my mind lord probably can't take much more of my bullshit. Um, you know, curious living situations and all. Um, but I do have some more questions. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we spend all day like sharing music with each other. And sending music back and forth. And we both, because we're DJs, we both connect to the music in this, like, like haunting, meaningful way. And it's like we can talk to each other through the music. And we spend all day just sending each other songs. And, like, it's like we can send each other thoughts and shit. And it's like, when we're together, it's like these synchronicities, they just, like, explode, like, all over the place. Like... 
<clears throat> everything we like we the people we talk to the dreams we have and so we're like okay we want to meet each other in person right this is what we're gonna do we're gonna do some magic so she's like teach me how to do some magic and I'm like, okay, so this is how you make a sigil. And we're basically like, well, let's just do the fucking Peter Carroll shit. Let's start with the basics. So we make a sigil. It's like, we want to meet each other in the astral realm, right? So, um, so you use a sigil make a, as a locus. Yeah, so we, so we use this, like a locus, okay. So we use this sigil really? to meet each other in the astral realm. And so I, I, I don't usually remember my dreams, but I did have one, like after two or three days. And... I'm at an I'm at a school with my daughter, and then it turns into like like a pueblo village place. But then it also turns into an airport, and I have a very strange imagination. Then uh, all these girls show up, and they're all like one of them doesn't look like my girlfriend, but she's claiming to be my girlfriend. But she's acting like you better kiss me right now because now I'm here. And I'm like you don't look quite right, but I'm like I don't want to push back my girlfriend because she looks funny or whatever. So like I kiss her, and then I'm like no, this is definitely not her, right? Oh shit. And um, and then I and then it's taken me a little bit to decode what the the dream meant, but this is like actually what happened. Um, and then I look over, and there's this other girl, and I'm pretty sure this is my girlfriend, but she still doesn't look totally right. And so I and I remember what her face looks like, right? What, who this girl looks like, and I run out of the room because I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like, first of all, I kissed the wrong girl. I don't know who these – I don't know what's going on. This is all too much for me. And as I'm leaving the room in terror, I'm simultaneously laughing because I realize what they're doing is funny because they think it's funny because they're laughing at me, laughing and pointing at me. And then um, I disappear around the corner and one of the girls follows me and gives me a hug, right? And this hug was like so loving. Like it was such a real feeling. Like I just felt like so loved and embraced. And then I woke up from the dream and – um like later that day, I tell her what happened, and um, her sister had had this crazy dream, right? She sends me a picture of her sister. I'm like, that's the chick. You know what I mean? Like, that's Whoa. the girl in my dream. Like, Whoa. no joke. So I'm no expert at this Whoa. astral shit, but, like, that was oh, a hit man. for me, man. Like, You know, all, um, my, all my early dreams that I recorded were all prophetic, and you're going to have to forgive me for a second because I actually have to take a quick piss. Do you want to just riff for a second? Yeah, um, sure. I could, yeah, we could just pause it real quick. Um, I'm going to go smoke a snap. You can take a piss. All we'll right. be right back. All right.
Oh my goodness, I love some Tom Waits. It's it's beautiful. It's, it's a Britney Spears song. I just sort of channel Tom Waits when I do it. Plus it's, it's in G minor, which is such a dark, but yet groovy key. Yeah. Oh, my mom would say you're a wonderful singer. She's, she would know. She sings opera. So That's what I started um, so- doing. I moved to Vienna in 97. I sold all my Magic Gathering cards and fucked off to Vienna when I was 16. That sounds awesome. I haven't gone anywhere really, but I've I've gone quite a few places just in my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, you've, you've <laughs> and I keep getting pulled back to the same fucking neighborhood too. Traveling is amazing. Is. Traveling is amazing. I've spent I've been on the road a lot of my life, but at the same time, I I don't think anything can beat having a kid, and you have a kid. So like, what I would say is you should, if I was to recommend a goal for you, plan some travel with your kid. Like you maybe you can't travel right now because you got a kid. What if you plan some cool adventures, even if it's like 10, 15, 20 years down the road, that would be amazing, right? Well, see, the wife and the person that she got with that were part of the big Burning Man group that sort of like spiraled out and fell apart in that whole divorce situation because it was like one big family. It was like my – it it, it reminded me like in Star Wars. It was like my little Jedi school. For some reason, I'm always surrounded by fledgling magicians – that have all this magic power and they do all this magic shit and they're just like, no, I'm not into magic. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. That's fine. You know, <coughs> I, it's always like that. But so me, me and me and, um, I think it's worth noting that, uh, my name is Luke and this person's name that I met, her name is Leah or Leah really. But in star Wars, if you know your star Wars, it's actually not, possible to pronounce a name yeah, no, if, if wrongly that way. I actually like Han a, Solo and Han Solo are I'm, both I'm valid. I'm a magician whose name was spelt L-E-A, but it was pronounced Leia. So it was like she couldn't resist the Star Wars effect. She's like, it's a, she's like, yeah, my name spelled Leia, but it's pronounced Leia. Yeah. God bless Star totally. Wars. I'm so sad with what what's her name did to it. Yeah, I think she went a little hard in the paint. I don't think, think it got ruined entirely because no. I have some words about Luke Skywalker. I think I think a lot of people are really resistant to even opening their mind to Luke Skywalker having a dark side. And I think that Ryan Johnson actually ch- treated Luke Skywalker's dark side very maturely. And he did it with an understanding of the series that I think is pretty deep. And I'd be willing to talk about that. Yeah, that wasn't oh. the problem I had with it, really, at all. Okay, yeah, it was maybe, <laughs> yeah. like, everything else. I okay, mean, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Also, like, yeah, I mean, uh, the problem, yeah, no, I, I, could, I could go on forever because Star Wars was my childhood, and by which I mean, like, like, and I can't stand episodes one through three. 
Like, I don't think Lucas is the, is the key to making Star Wars good at all. Like, he shat the bed big time on one through three. Anyone who says any of those movies, I have a little sister 14 years younger than me. When I asked her about Star Wars eventually, she was like, I like the first three episodes. I'm like, you mean the original series? She's like, no, the new ones that are one. Two. I'm like, no, no, you don't. And she's born February 1st, like another Aquarius, the day after me, the day after me. And I'm like, you are breaking my heart. I don't that's think like, I could ever. That's like how Star Wars is kind of. That's like part of the gag in some weird way. Like, there's always something that's so corny that's like so. Like, it's always forgotten. Like, I will say this: like, people were pissed when they got healing powers in the yeah. in the end or whatever. But you like, know, at that's this point, literally, like the, the that... second power you see Obi Wan use on Luke Skywalker, and yeah. people just don't care. They just like don't. Yeah. Is you know, he puts yeah. his hand on his head. He's like, no, now you're get, better. The stuff to get mad about is all the other shit. Oh yeah! I just hope they don't fuck up Dune now the way that they fucked up Star Wars because I love Dune. You know, it, you know. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I uh, this this uh, tiny tiny bit of uh, devil's lettuce has gone to my head. Man, the person I used to host the podcast with, we had a falling out over the Alistair Crowley episode, <laughs> and we still haven't worked things out. But like. I think after the experience I'm about to explain, I, I might be more willing to like talk to him again. Uh, although I think he might have to know I'm in charge of this ship, mm. like in a very, uh, uh, very Clockwork Orange type way, you could say. Um, thinking as far the uh, here we go, here we go. Ready? As, thinking as Ready? far the gloopy ones. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is the juices I feel the thoughts acquire speeds, the lips acquire stains, the stains become warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. Right. And the, those are the ones, those are the umis, the umi ones. Don't destroy Dune the way you destroyed Star Wars, please. Oh, they just got to put someone like gnarly crazy in charge of it that's going to do it. Like, right. Well, I don't they know. Got, it's coming out, right? You know, Denis Villeneuve, who did the new Blade Runner. He did the new Blade Runner. And the Blade Runner sequel ah. is remarkably good. When I say, I say, I, is I, it? Okay, I met up with, like, I'm from Vancouver, so all my friends are in film. I'm so fucking like, happy you brought that up, by the way, because I cannot, I, you had to bring that up right now. What, Blade Runner or Dune or Vancouver? Blade Runner. Yeah. Well, so I said to my friend after I saw it, like, I was actually in a weird transitional stage in my life, so going to see it in the theater was a big commitment time, and even money-wise, because, you know, a movie in Vancouver is like 50 bucks. Um, not really, but sort of. Anyway, um, and a, a few months later, I was talking to one of my film buddies who's producing a cyberpunk TV show and stuff, and I said, hey, is Dune, is, I said, sorry, is Blade Runner 2, like tw- Blade Runner 2049? is it as good as I think it is? Like, is it actually fucking brilliant? He's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. I'm like, okay. I haven't talked to anyone about it since I saw it like six months ago. And I was like, that's funny. That's funny. I I had to say to these, these film friends of mine who know their shit, right? Like, and I was like, it is really brilliant. Or am I crazy? He's like, cause a lot of shit that's been coming out is not good. Right. Right. And you got, yeah, you got a messy question. (laughs) They've been putting out a lot of stuff. That's like actually that should be better than a Marvel movie, but is somehow worse. Like Marvel yeah. movies to me are all sort of the same. Like, you know, some yeah, are great, yeah, yeah. some are good. Only one of them is terrible. And, you know, that's her fault. So I won't say more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all know what I'm talking about. It's so painful. It's so fucking painful. 
I like Jesus. the ones with the, the Jack Parsons character in it, like the first Captain oh, America. Yeah, that's I rewatched the Captain Americas just in the last month, and I was like, they're all really good. Yeah, they're not really, bad. Really, like maybe they're because they're not. Maybe they're just all true. There's no fiction there. I don't know. I I don't know. Well, you know, it's just there's just something. But there's all these movies that have come out that you're like, oh, they're going to be brilliant, and then they suck shit. Like and I hate when that happens, man. I'm having like, trouble thinking of one off the top of my head. How did but. what's his name when what's his name finally went back just now and did another Terminator movie? Uh, what's his name? Cameron. Cameron is like okay, they've been fucking okay. up Terminator for a while. They've been fucking it up. And I'm going to do one that doesn't fuck it up. And he fucks it up. How the fuck? You know, so he... he, Cameron did a Terminator movie and I didn't even know about it. the last Terminator, right? With Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton's his ex-wife, actually. And I don't know if you know this in your generation, but, like, there was a big thing because they were married, but he's always giving her these, like, gratuitous sex scenes. Well, they were gratuitous for the 80s. Now it's, like, porno. Right, Shia LaBeouf actually having sex and stuff—that's crazy. But in in the '80s, Linda Hamilton was in all these gratuitous sex scenes, and, uh, and then then when I remember my parents, my dad telling me like it was like 1992, he's like, "And you know that's the director's wife?" <laughs> I was like, "What, Dad? <laughs> no, that's crazy." Yeah. Anyway, so somehow James Cameron fucked up the new Terminator, and he had his ex-wife Linda Hamilton, and he had Schwarzenegger, but he fucked it up, and so now he's doing two new Avatar movies, and I don't know how that could go wrong. Oh my god. The World of Warcraft series with a slightly different thing to it. That's sort of what it felt like to me when I first saw it. I was like, this is World of Warcraft, the movie. I was a troll. I remember what it was like. Not everyone played a fucking dwarf. You know, so like, um, given that we just talked about I played cinema, a troll. It's cool. given that we just talked about cinema, I feel like we need to wrap it into the theme of it, our podcast. So if you guys, oh, I know exactly what to do though, yeah, because so you guys, I'm you, still, I'm getting to this weird experience that I had and I had to explain my whole no fap and I had to explain why I did no fap. I love the fact that I wasn't aware sexual of history and I'm, I but, love the, you fact know, that, and it's perfect that you brought up. What is this? It's not Sling Blade. It's not the one with the banana. It's the uh, not the one with the uh, not pushing tin. Um, okay, no shit. Uh, Blade Runner. That's it. Blade Runner. I don't know who you got. Blade Runner from went from Blade, Blade Runner. You went Blade from Blade Runner. Runner to pushing tin. No, to to Sling Blade to pushing tin. Yeah, bro, bro, you got to do less ketamine, man. <laughs> So, okay, um, fucking, who's the author of, uh, <coughs> fucking, damn it, not Sling Blade, like, Blade Runner, this is, like, my mom does this too, okay, it's free Blade Runner, the original author, right, It's what PKE, the, right? It's called Mindfulness Meditation, Free Associative Meditation, go study Jason Liu's Magic.me to learn how to free associate from Blade Runner to Sling Blade to, uh, I had a little bit of a falling out with Jason Louv over the over. Uh, I got I just I was under a lot of pressure in the holidays, and I was having a falling out with my best friend. And he he was buttering me up for his new his new classes for like a year. Jason Louv, and then he dropped the new classes, and they were like five hundred bucks. And I was like, bro, you had a whole year to tell me I was gonna have to pay like Burning Man level prices to do your class because like I got the holidays coming up, and I got a little snarky with him on his Instagram. 
and we just had a blowing up over it. So wow. if he hears this, I'm fucking. Very, I, I'm. I've apologized, and I'm very sorry. I publicly caused the bullshit on your Instagram, and you didn't deserve it. And I was having a really fucking bad time. You did tell me that I was probably angry at somebody else, and you did speak to me with a lot of calmness and recompense and respect. Um, but to be fair, I think the cost of your class is still a lot of money. So, well, people were saying he was undervaluing his courses and stuff. It's kind of expensive, man. I know you're worth it, but holy shit, dude! You could have told me. You could have told your boy. You could have told your boy it was going to be like five hundred dollar. You know what I'm saying? I don't got that kind of money. Well, Not all of us are world famous painters, man. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm working on it. You should see my paintings in the escape rooms that I work at. It's called Ultimate Escape Rooms in Ventura. If you like this podcast, go out and join it. It's not open because the world says you can't do business right now, but we're converting it over to digital. You can play the attic. It's very spooky, and you will like it. So check that out. I'll give you some discounts. But I had a PKD experience is what I was working up to. I had a Philip K. Dick experience just to fucking spoil it. Okay. You know? And I really honestly did have that experience, and I'm going to talk about it. Like, it fucking happened. Like, um... So her and I, Leia and I, are in fucking love. As, as far as I know, she's not a black goo AI creature sent by the reptilians to assassinate me yet. I don't think I'm that important, but my, all my friends think that's the case. So we're in love, and we make this sigil that's like, we are going to meet in person, right? And so we're like, here's the deal. We have the sigil. We're going to like go our separate ways now, and we're going to like give ourselves an orgasm to this sigil. And I've been built up for like, two weeks or something right like okay. 14 13 days and i'm like i'm just gonna let it have it and it just so happened to be on the full moon right and so oh this is getting really personal so if you're two hours in oh well you can handle this mom just close your ears for the next fucking five minutes just hit the fast forward thing okay jesus christ oh my you god you think your mom might listen to this if anyone could, yeah. If anyone could handle it, though, it'd probably be my mom. So, oh my dude, god, dude, I, just I can, fast forward this, mom, please. Be, okay, proud. so man, no one in my family her... would ever listen to or read anything I do in my entire life. Oh, I could, man. I could okay. create the cure for cancer in my family, and if they got cancer, they wouldn't take it because they heard it was something I would, I made. <laughs> that is, I hear that a lot from a lot of different people, actually. Yeah. Like my when father I, is. Uh, I graduated he with my master's he, degree, my, man. My, my family came to me and said you should stop lying about what you're doing with your time. Wow. Yeah. Like next well, level crazy shit, man. Well, if they don't, if they don't understand it's on that YouTube, archetypes you can and ideas have power, on they YouTube. just are like, "Well, what am I thought up to?" <laughs> Dude, you have, you can see me graduate on YouTube, and they didn't believe it. They're like, "That must have cost a lot of money to stage." <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude! I'm sorry. You have to deal with that. That's crazy. Oh, dude, you can't let that shit bum you up. My, I come from a family of Irish, Im- Italian immigrant auto mechanics and carpenters. You know, they're amazing oh, at what they do, but they're very—they uh, only do what they do. You know. But my dad got me into Dungeons and Dragons back in 1989, so for that I will be forever grateful. And into Magic: The Gathering, which by age 16 made me a hundred thousand dollars when I sold out. So, holy shit. Yeah, holy that's, shit. You ever hear of anyone who at so age cool. 16? From 12 to 16, I spent about $800, every penny I got, on Magic the Gathering. Traded, collected sets, and at 16 and 97, liquidated for about hundred grand. 
See, your proof that uh, like that thing I discovered with the Uber is like you just kind of have to follow that thing. Yes. Yes. It's like you just Especially if everyone it. thinks you're sense. crazy and what you're doing makes no sense. If people around you think that what you're doing makes no sense, all it means is that they are not your target audience and that they just don't get it. They don't get it. They don't see where you're going. They're like, why are you walking that direction? Oh, it's not crazy. You just don't know where the fuck I'm going. Yeah, like my, my, my dad is did two tours with the most highly decorated – Naval, uh, man, I think I can say this. Um, yeah, my dad did two tours with the most highly decorated uh, Naval Air Squadron in U.S. history. They're called the Sea Wolves. Wow. And he's in a documentary called Scramble the Sea Wolves. He's in the section called PTSD. And, oh, shit. Um, he cannot get his fucking <clears throat> friends to watch the fucking movie, dude. And really? it's, it's just like this. Like, I can't – my mom wrote kind of like a sexy novel. So, yes, I'm going to be okay giving this story out. I won't read it because it's too sexy. My mom wrote it. Mom. So it's like – so people in your family just won't read your shit. They just – no. I don't know. No, they won't. Um, they totally won't. No. So, like – so maybe my and family should hear this next part. And if they do, you're lucky and give them good Christmas presents, motherfuckers. If your family appreciates you or supports you in any way, fucking love them. Yeah. Because – that is very lucky. So I hadn't actually gone like super deep into the, the powder of the white sparklies yet. I had only done like a little bit at this point. And um, so I'm doing some of the – I'm doing the sex magic. We had gone our separate ways to give ourselves an orgasm because we're both too camera shy to like do it on camera despite what – that's probably what everyone else is doing right now. So um, – mm-hmm. The full moon is out because we had timed it because we had, we were planning on doing this. So we planned it for the full moon and I could see the moon out my window and like I just stared at the moon and I just fucking blasted off, baby, and just put the sigil in the moon. Okay? <laughs> like, oh, I, like um, that. I like that. And then after that, I probably did a bump and then. I laid down. You're talking and then shit ketamine? got crazy, bro. You're shit with, got crazy. You're talking about ketamine though, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Fictionally. No, I did not ever do that. No, I would never do drugs. But yeah, yeah. if I did, and this story, let's if it were true, which it's not, that's what I was doing. And um, drugs are bad. Don't ever do them. So I laid down in my bed, and I don't come a lot. Ever like it's like you could probably count like way less than Alistair Crowley, right? Only like, he's like once every four days. I'm like way less than that. Fucking so I lay down, feeling kind of groovy. I'm feeling a little bit like my essence is a little gone, like the guy was saying, but still pretty good. And I'm lying down, and um, I'm getting pretty high, and I sort of feel like this this like this like feeling come over me, and it's this pleasant feeling, and it's uh and it. And it kind of says I have this weird inspiration feeling, and it's the same instant inspiration feeling I had to even listen to a Philip K. Dick novel. I was just driving home one day, and I'm like, "Oh, I should just listen to Valis." I don't know why, and I just bought it on audiobooks and listened to it, and it was that same fucking feeling. And sometimes you have that feeling with other things. It's not just Philip K. Dick stuff. So I'm not just saying this to make the story better. It's like with other things too, but like. I had that same feeling where it's like, just do it. Just do this one thing right now. It's not going to cost you nothing. 
and it's not it's gonna cost you four seconds of your life you know just do this one thing and the voice was just like just call out to Sophia you know Sophia is the name I have underneath um, the whole like I made Baphomet but with a bunny head because and, and with bigger tits because I'm sick of seeing Baphomet with no tits <laughs> and the bunny head is funny bunny is funny and it's kind of cute and fluffy right and so if I met Baphomet I'd probably have an easier time if it had a bunny face sorry Levi but I put the word Sophia under it because of my very little uh, elementary bad understanding of uh, Templar history and shit <laughs> and Masonic history that I don't know anything about and I'm like you know so I was like yeah just call it to Sophia see what happens bro so I call up I'm like so I go I'm pretty high okay I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good I go Sophia Sophia and I just do this over and over and over and son of a bitch Sophia shows the fuck up like I'm not even kidding a, a little bit like I'm laying in my bed and this feeling I could never just des- I can describe this feeling it's just it might not sound as crazy as it felt but this feeling came over me and it was so positive and it was so good feeling and it was so healing feeling and it was so loving and compassionate and kind and understanding and wise and comforting so comforting and it just fell all over me and it moved through my whole body and i felt it this is what it felt like i felt like my heartbeat merged with some other heartbeat and this feeling of my heartbeat was beating down on me like rain and it just felt like the rain was like kisses just pouring down on me and these kisses were coming from some amazing goddess and she was she just she just wanted me to know that she loved me and not just that she loved me but she loved me and accepted me now for who I was and always and always had and this love and this heart feeling was just racing through my body and consuming me like in a like a this fire this fire that maybe I had felt maybe once on Salvia, but better, not like a blue, slow, licking flame like in a barbecue, but like this red, this pink, this pink, uh, galactic, starry stuff like this. And it also felt kind of like good sex at the same time, like, but like loving sex. And it was like flowing and beating through my body like fire and water at the same time. And it was like a white lightsaber with pink and it just um it felt so good and she just she just wanted me to know that there was nothing above this there was nothing there was no power that was greater in the whole universe and i knew it i didn't she didn't just tell me i knew it i didn't just think it i knew it like pun through intended and through or pun not intended fully Huh? Pun intended or pun not intended? You kept saying you knew it. I don't know. Like I just knew. knew I knew, knew that it? this is. I knew I was meeting God. Like okay. this was That's God. It. That's knew it. Like knew it. Sure, circle. whatever you want to call book, her. It doesn't like I, in that experience. It doesn't matter what you call her. 
to me, I called out to Sophia. Yeah. And I believe that that's the book and the, like, well, okay, you know, and I... Sophia and Nuit are both sort of synonymous in a way. And her light, this is, oh, this is it. This is this is the part that, thank you actually for bringing up Nuit because you're jogging my memory because you're rem- helping me remember esoteric concepts that relate to the feeling that I experienced because... It, it ultimately though the sex and like the raining down of the water and the fire and this is why i'm having this is why i kind of got why you needed to interrupt me because um it didn't end there it continued further like it went further than that into like a whiteness a white light and this white light that i'm describing was infinite and perfect and eternal and forever yeah, it sounds uncreated, like uncreated, unending, eternal, nothing left after this, no appeal, no heaven, no hell, no anything, no gods, pure love and light and goodness, but even something like harder to describe than that. Like well, in Kabbalah, and it was forever. Yeah, in Kabbalah that's called the three veils of negative existence. The third veil is <sighs> the in so far, right? So a beyond keter beyond Kether, there's the three veils of negative existence. And the first is the Ansof Or, which is the limitless light. The second one is the Ansof, the limitless. And the first one is the Ain, the nothing. And that's that's very much like my familiarity with that experience of the Ansof Or through ritual work forever. And is, is what actually, when I did 5-MeO-DMT, that's what made me feel very at home in the scintillating divine white brilliance. And it sounds like you had that experience through... Uh, Tantra and no fapping. Is that correct? And ketamine. And ketamine. And, um, trying to wean myself off of marijuana, seven grams of marijuana, and falling in love with a girl that whose name is Leia and my name is Luke and my dad's a war veteran and my mom's an opera singer that toured Europe and it's just Star Wars just really seems to fucking have my number, bro. <laughs> I don't know why. And that was part of it. Um, oh, yeah. I love it. Um, well, here's and, the thing. You had set yourself up ritually. Ritually, here's what we'd say in hermetic magic. You ritually had set yourself up, and this is very chaos magic in style, but through a series of events, circumstances, intentionalities, will, and imagination, you set yourself up to have an experience where you shot straight up that middle pillar and exploded into the infinite beyond. I mean, this is that experience that Jason Louv in his Empire of Angels, Crowley, Vision, the Voice thing talk about. He's like, and one thing he, I, one thing I like about that. What a book good is, book, by the way. Oh my god! For all the shit I just talked on Jason's uh, cost of his class, pick up his book. I man. do think it's, it's really a masterpiece, <laughs> but I do think it fell victim to that which it studied. Interesting. Okay. Um, like he talks a lot about dispensationalism and sort of interpreting meta narratives in history to leading towards this ultimate ending, as we see in. Crowley's upbringing in the Plymouth Brethren. And so when you ever you have a dispensationalist interpretation of like end times happening now, which we saw in St. Paul's early writings in the epistles in the New Testament, and which we see throughout every century and every 50 years all the time, this idea of the end of an era. This is an ongoing thing. It's the Ouroboros. What we keep thinking, the fallacy we keep making is thinking that it's actually an end and not just the end of a cycle. But Louvre, in his attempt to explain dispensationalism, becomes creates a product that participates in that dispensationalism and promotion of a fixed meta-narrative. So rather than scholarly, objectively describing something he's witnessing, his book actually becomes that thing 
actually in his conclusions as he goes into the whole, now we see this manifesting truly around us and all of that sort of thing with Katy Perry's performance as the whore of Babylon and all of that. Like, dude, you're writing yourself into your own studies. And that's when you cease becoming a, that's when you start becoming a primary source material. Anyway, I don't want to get into the fallacy. You know, I I will say that um, he, he does seem to like, wander into Thelema, uh, you know, here and there, but, like, if you... Man, I don't want to throw him under the bus again, but if you go on his Discord, you really are no. It is known that you are not supposed to talk about demons, Galatia, voodoo is also included in there, so presumably ancestor worship. Otherwise, it's an instant ban, because it's they're considered potential triggers for people that are going through sensitive uh, ritual work and energy work, so I actually see the practicality in that. But to be fair, I don't really know if you can write a book about all the weird shit that, like, Aleister Crowley saw on the Enochian side of the veils with your Satan and your chaos. And, you know, you want people to read the the invoke. You want people to read the Bornless one. But uh, what are you not supposed to look up what some of those fucking names mean? Because some of them mean some pretty crazy shit, too, like Satan and the eye of the beast and all this nonsense. And so it seems to be like, there's this, there's this a bit of a level of insincerity where it's like, yeah, study this shit, use this shit, but don't talk about demons. Like what? Okay. Well, where, who's holding the keys to the temple now? Like what? Like, I don't know. Like, we, we would need another three hours to get into that subject. Um, what I will say is, um, as much as I consider Louvre's book, uh, an opus, um, I mean, the flaws are are almost histori- historiographical. Um, the way he has to, he has to go out of his way a lot of the times and ignore massive trends. Like in the he has to pretty much ignore the entire Roman Catholic Italian Renaissance of Hermeticism and, and Kabbalism to be able to arrive at his conclusion. It's like he references them in passing, but then concludes that Hermeticism, the Golden Dawn. Thelema, all these things were basically Protestant mysticism, whereas Catholics had their own watered... It's, it's just it's such an erroneous, dual, dualistic interpretation like to the point of extreme fallacy. Extreme fallacy. Like, here's someone who's cherry-picked reading of history and refers to the Middle Ages as the Dark Ages, which, here's a fun fact, the Dark Ages didn't exist. That was a term that Protestant reformers used to refer to the Middle Ages because they were tired of the fact that the Middle Ages were actually quite a golden age in human evolution, given what we had gone through a thousand years before that. And by calling them the Dark Ages, theories about that. it pejoratively references them retroactively. It's a retcon on the golden age of the Middle Ages, by calling them the Dark Ages. And the fact that he calls them that shows that he has basically not even an introductory education in world history. And that's problematic when you then want to jump to a conclusion that sees sort of this eschatological role being played out by Jack Parsons in the formation of NASA and going to the outer space, the sublunar world, all of this Crowley's whole pyramid achieved its like final succession and things played out just as he foresaw them. But no, because you're ignoring, among many other things besides the fact that Crowley was basically a Golden Dawn flunky who had a very poor understanding of, of occultism and ritual magic when compared to his contemporaries – and therefore, no, no doubt, he had a very confusing interpretation of the thirty ethers when he worked them. It's no, it's not yeah. the, to me. It does, I, I read Crowley's 
astral workings and I say, it looks like he doesn't even know how to correctly test spirits. Like, this is, people, this is the mark of someone. Some people say that, that he, he yeah, he only he had, like, so much. It just, he didn't get initiated into the second order. He didn't. <laughs> he wasn't initiated in the Vault of the Adepti because Moyne and Mathers were alone in Paris and he got sort of, sept. we call it in the Golden Dawn, we call it sceptering. When you don't have a full initiation crew, you don't have the three adepts necessary to make another adept, right? One adept can make someone up to the readiness for adept. Like, you know, a black belt can train you up to black belt. But if you want to go advanced degrees of black belt, you need, like, slightly more advanced teachings of someone who's higher degree black belt. Sort of like that. This is all... That's actually pretty accurate. And so Crowley wasn't even really initiated. And even if Mathers and Moyna had a third adept in Paris to initiate him into the Vault of the Adepti, which they did build and might still be there today, we don't know, he didn't get trained as an adept. Like, until you're a hierophant for all the outer order initiations, until you've actually been trained in two, three years as a full adept, I mean, it's just a ceremony. Right? Where's the true mastery come? Does the mastery come from someone saying you're a master? Or does it come from them saying, you're a master, now do all this work to prove it. But no, what did he do? He went and robbed a bunch of documents and <laughs> then ran off to start his own religion. That's the, that's the markings of someone who's incredibly psychologically unstable and, look, and running off just after their own ego. And we've seen this time and time again in magical orders in America, Canada, and Europe, and all over the world. We see these people who get a little bit of status, a little bit of power, a little bit of knowledge, just enough to be incredibly dangerous. And what do they do? They run off and form their own thing, rather than become a true adept, a true master of the tradition which they claim inheritancy from. Like, uh, my, my understanding of him isn't so great. My falling out with Andrew... Right? Thank you for, yeah, get me hip to some of this because uh, my falling out with Andrew was over. He wanted, I, I wanted to learn, I wanted to make the Alistair Crowley episode like a four-part series. And he wanted to be like, let's just like skip to his Enochian work and then I'm going to talk about Enochian because that's what I like to practice. And, and we had a falling out over it. I was like, no, man. We're not even going to get into Enochian until like the third fucking episode. We need to talk about his rock climbing. We need to talk about his bitches fucking. We need to talk about the book of the law. And then we're going to get into his Enochian career. And me and Andrew just got into a big fight about it. And the tensions had been growing for a while. And, you know, I didn't think he had been exactly the fucking kindest or nicest or most understanding person to me. And to be fair, I'm sitting here doing all the editing. You know what I mean? Doing all the back end work. And, like, he wants to boss me around like he's my boss. And I'm like, no, thanks, man. So if we can put all this behind us, Andrew, let's go for it. But at this point, he's, he told me I was dead to him. So Come on, I don't Andrew. Know. Andrew, what are you he's talking He's going to have about? to reach out to me. You should um, forgive him. Give him a little reach out around. <laughs> maybe I will, man. Uh, he can write an email. I mean, shit. I can, maybe I can write an email. We'll see. Um where were we? So this is what I learned about Crowley. Is it sounds like he had his experience where he like thought he got into the vault of the Adepti after doing like invoking his, his – he was doing like the invoking guardian angel in his head, right? Where he's like walking around the desert and he's like traveling all well, over the world and he's doing this. I was just reading – I have this first edition I just got during the – you know, I was part of the Kincaid fire evictions. I had to wrangle llamas. I had to wrangle – no, alpacas. During the Kincaid fire eviction, like, you know, 5 a.m. to all day, like, I'm wrangling 150 animals right outside my door here. 
alpacas are fuck. They'll fuck you up. They will fucking jack you. They look so peaceful. They will fuck you up. I saw them throwing around this fucking built motherfucker, and they're just hurling him like a fucking tether ball around the yard. Like, <laughs> or like, then he's like, grab him from behind, grab him from behind. I'm like, I'm not going behind that thing. He says to the USDA guy, grab him from behind. The USDA guy's like, no. And he's like, ah, damn it, and grabs it, pulls him out. So we had to evacuate all these animals. There's this huge evacuation because of the fires up here, right? Which is right here where I'm at in Geyserville at this uh, retreat center that I was teaching at the last year. Um, it's all shut down now and they're evicting everyone or whatever. Um, what was my point? Crowley? I was making a point about Crowley. Yeah, like how he built up to his, um, like he built up to that experience and then he like had a weird breakthrough where he's, well, he witnessed himself like on the cross and being all this. I love the, I love that he documented working through the Aethers. Like that's so important. And what's great about Crowley is he did document all his different magical workings or attempts at workings because people like William Butler Yeats, who was a, you know one of the heads of the order when he joined, you know, so when Crowley joined, he was 25. Yeats was 35. Yeats was a world-renowned poet. Yeats, Crowley yeah. was, you know... Some young... Yeah. So you can sort of, you know, and I... Part of the reason I think Crowley kept writing poetry his whole, his whole life was just to attempt to approach the level of constructive skill that Yeats had. Anyway, um, obviously I'm more of a Yeats lover than Crowley. Maybe I'll write a screenplay. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, cool, maybe I've already written one. Um, the point is uh, Crowley's documented this stuff because he didn't take his vows seriously. Yeats was busy working at all of this stuff and achieved adeptus exemptus in initiatory form before he died. Crowley had to do all these things independently, spiritually. He almost became a, a, a solo, self-practitioner, solo initiate in a way, just right. just after going through the portal grade or graduate. He did graduate the Golden Dawn. That's what he did do. He just never actually experienced the inner order or the greater mystery teachings. He just didn't. And you can see that through all his work. So yeah, I've got this nice, during the evacuation at a used bookstore in Santa Rosa, I found a first edition of Crowley's Confessions and they sold it. It was like 25 bucks, but they gave it to 20 <laughs> because I was evacuated and had lost all my things. And I was reading it for the first time seriously since I was, you know, 12, um, as one does. And I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit. Um, Crowley is very, very open about really a lot of what he doesn't know, but also uh, with regard to that thing you were talking about. What were you talking about? Like how he had it. Like how he has. Uh, how he like built up to the experience, you know? Yes. And it so like came at came at him. Here's you know? the crazy thing about him doing the Abramelin. He did the Abramelin. Yeah. But here's the thing. He he bought Bullskin Manor, which then Jimmy Page bought because he let everyone – I always thought he did the Abramelin. But when I actually read his autobiography, I'm like, holy shit. The dude did not sit up there for three months or six months or nine months or a year. He didn't. Uh, that's, he was, that, that is what he, I meant to yeah, say. His autobiography saying, makes it clear that yeah. he did all of that work while on the road. Now, if you listen to a podcast yes, on yes, Esoterra... Yes, that's what I was trying yeah, to say, but he, saying he, poorly. He adapted it very chaos magic style to his lifestyle, which was to go drinking, carousing, and going to brothels, having group sex with his wife, and all of that sort of thing, right? He adapted the Abermelon to a traveling, aristocratic, dandy lifestyle. And that's quite shocking, because it really it shows on the one hand how ahead of his time he was, 
integrating it into the life that he wanted, do what thou wilt, sure. But he also didn't take ritual work, I think, as seriously as we think he did. I think he was much more interested in integrating ritual work in a active chaos magic sort of side of his everyday life than actually sealing himself in rooms and doing rituals for hours on end. Like, me and my training? Dude, like, we're talking like, you know, someone told me at one point in Portal, they're like, from now on, every Friday at sunset, after fasting, you're going to do this vigil in the Golden Dawn Temple, all alone, doing this work every hour till sunrise. And you do that every Friday until I say stop, but at least six months to a year. You know what my answer to that was? Yeah, okay. Like, that's what, that was my training. Like, doing hardcore 6, 12, 18, 24-hour rituals on a regular basis. And I always thought that that was very, like, in the spirit of Crowley. But now I'm realizing Crowley was much more mo- modern or postmodern and adapting it to his everyday life. And I'm not judging it. Like, he... he, he yeah. I have a Cause theory. Because that's, that's, you're right. He bought the Bullskin house. And I this is this he is why we, I had a blow up with Andrew, is I needed to understand. I needed to really crawl through the details. Because when I got to that part of the story... And actually, this is a he thing. This is actually part of the argument we had before the fallout. I was like, we we began asking each other, like we wanted to be accurate in the podcast. And I was like, so did he actually do the Abram Mellon ritual in the house? And he's like, uh, no, I, I guess so. No, and didn't. we were like, everyone always thought he did, but his autobiography, autohagiography, says quite clearly that he developed it into a traveling ritual and did it on the road. Yes. He was in bed. He, he documents yes. it very clearly. And and on Essa Terriner podcast, um, Scarlet, Scarlet Ariadne, the girl, she's, she's a wonderful initiate who was trained in the same order as me, but 10 years after me, I believe. She did an episode where she is a program, a programmer, a computer programmer or hacker in Chicago. She makes good money in somewhere. And she did a whole interview about how she integrated the Evermelon into her daily life. So I love that there's this tradition of integrating into your daily life. Um, and I just think Crowley needs to be more interpreted as a practical, everyday chaos magician, even more than Austin Osmond Spare was. Interesting. Because I you we know, don't know. It's funny you mention that because I, I, really, I really got back into the NoFap thing. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I'm just saying that we the other guys, like Yates, we don't really know what magic they did because, like, good adepts, they didn't talk about it, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and, like, a lot of adepts, a lot of people, when they get into the inner order, stop diarizing because, like, even by the end of my, my outer order training in the Golden Dawn, by the end of it, like, I'm doing three hours of rituals a day on average. And so, like, do you know how many pages of a diary that takes up? So by the time you get through... You know, you finish that grade, that's seven months. You finish Portal, that was a year and a half for me because I was 18 and they wanted to make me wait longer than the nine months required because I was fucking 18. You know, by the time I got into five equals six, I was like, I'm doing nine to 12 hours of ritual work a day in a full-time Golden Dawn Temple. I don't have time and I'm starting a master's degree. I don't have time to do a diary anymore. But I have all these other diaries stacked up that I can rely on, you know? So I just think Crowley is misinterpreted and I think we're going to really understand him in a much better light when we, I think people need to keep studying him. I hate to say it, but I think people need to keep studying Aleister Crowley. I can't That's fascinating. Believe, I, I can't I'm saying this as like a non-Thelema person, but like reading is, ah, Jesus Christ. Well, shout out to all okay. you Thamelites and Lon Milo Duquette and all my other 
the last guy I interviewed on my podcast here, because we're co-podcasting this, right? We're shooting it on both of our things. We're shooting yeah. our, both our loads at the same time. That's, yeah, just like just like Jack Parsons and uh, L. Ron Hubbard. That's right. That's that's yeah. That's probably the best title for these episodes: Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, and No Fapping. Oh my god, that's hilarious, man! I, I'll let you. I'll let you name it. That's great. Um. So, <laughs> you're a wonderful person to talk to. Um, you are too, man. Yeah. Shit. Um, um. So hold on. So riffing is somebody who may have possibly, may possibly, maybe or maybe not, depending, be a reincarnation of somebody who probably spent a little bit of time at the parsonage. I think that maybe there is some truth to all of what Aleister Crowley was fucking with and the book of the law. And to sum it all up, just to be like basic about it, because I actually can't talk for much more than a minute without having um, some noise issues with my landlord. But we're getting pretty close to three hours, so we'll probably wrap it up kind of soon here, whenever it feels right. But um, I, think I haven't what's even correct, asked you the main like, questions I have yet. Oh man, we might have to do part two. I don't think you've asked me the questions you wanted to ask me either. No, we got into some World War One stuff, and there's some Crowley stuff I want to ask you about that okay. will definitely lead us careening back into aliens. So maybe part two, the the audience will get to hear what we have to say about aliens because I, I I don't know. There's some stuff we we got to get into about aliens. Okay. Um. So like I guess just to just to just to wrap it up and to wrap about Crowley and for Crowley as somebody who feels like maybe I. I'm a reincarnation of somebody who spent time at the Parsonage. Just very strongly feel that way for some reason lately through my research of Jack Parsons. Um, like, I think that he was onto something and Nuit is onto something in the Book of the Law about when she says about, you know, do the things. Go and do the things. And um, I know it's kind of vague, but I also can dovetail that with something with another author that I don't think you might be a big fan of based on what you've told, what briefly you've told me, but I could be wrong. Um, we, I've, I've read through, um, like Xena Shrek's, um, demons of the flesh, left hand path, whatever. And there's a section in there. She called like, it's, I think it's in the beginning of the book. It's called the fucking Buddha. And it's all about this, uh, this, uh, Yogi who, uh, is like the perfect Yogi, right? He always meditates and does his thing and he wakes up every day and, he does what he's supposed to do, and he uh, does all his. He never ha- he never comes. He never masturbates. He never even looks at a woman. You know what I mean? He's like really, really, really chaste. The ultimate no fapper, which he's supposed to do in his tradition, right? And he's a vegetarian. And he doesn't drink, and he just doesn't do anything like that because he's all he spends all his time doing is meditating on the goddess, meditating on the goddess, like Ray in a Star Wars, like dear goddess. Dear goddess, please come to me. Dear goddess, please come to me. Dear goddess, please come to me. <coughs> Dude has no success. He's getting, like, he lives hundreds of years, right? No success. One day, he's out in, like, fucking Nepal or some shit, and he's climbing some fucking Nepalese mountains. I don't know what they're called right now because I'm dumb. And he fucking stumbles upon this weird Buddhist sect, right? And they're all, like, fucking drinking and playing flute music and being all crazy and i think the boot i think at this point our main character's name is zorba i'm not sure i might be really fucking this up but zorba's like what the 
fuck are you doing? You guys are fucking smoking and drinking, and there's prostitutes, and they're not just, like, whatever chicks. They're, like, hot. Like, hot. Like, fucking 18-year-old prostitutes, man, with fucking tight pussies and shit. And they got all these beads on, and they got all these fucking headdresses and shit, and they're all like, woohoo, I'm crazy and sexy, we're all fucking... And he's like, you are fucking up, man. And, he, and the Buddha's like, the Buddha, the fucking Buddha is like, no, no, no. Like, if you keep doing what you're doing, Zorba, the goddess will never even fucking give you a glimpse of her feet. And I bet she hasn't. I am living with the fucking goddess all fucking goddamn day long, Zorba. You don't know shit. And then Zorba, like, joins the group and meets the goddess. So, like, to give Aleister Crowley some credence. If you read through the book of the law, Nuit says, do the things, they won't hurt you. Eh, I don't know if science agrees with that 100%, my friend, but it's that's the whole point, is that um, you're looking to, uh, this thing is beyond rationality to some extent, and it's, it's a mixture of the non-rational and maybe the rational in some degree, but... Um, there, the point is, is that rational determinism and the mind's quality to reduce everything down into a singularity is not the truth. That the ultimate reality doesn't end in some sort of uh, isolated unity where all things are annihilated. The end is a lot like the end of the tarot. It's the universe. It's the goddess that is opening up to this ray of light to the great beyond, the Ain Sof. But look, everybody's there with her. There's the bull and the and Barack Obama and um, you know all the other all the other uh, beasts that you see on the card, right? And the whole world is there too. And it's just like the Clockwork Orange where they cut off the last – the 21st chapter. And so at the end, Alex just goes through judgment and that's the end of the book. But no, there's actually – the 21st card is the universe. And so when you're never – you're never perfectly, totally going to be asked to annihilate yourself. Even when you are within that Ain Sof light, you can go there and come back to some extent. And – the path there, the path on the way there is honestly in, involves indulgence to some extent. I don't really know if you're supposed to go full Anton LaVey. There's probably some some great magical principles and things that you need to implement. I don't know them all, but I think there's some absolute truth to the do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law and, you know, do the things. Not to quote her directly. She said something else, but um, – and like we were saying earlier with the Uber and what you were saying with your cards that got you all that money, there's some to, there's something to that quiet voice inside that says, come on, man, just go do it. You know you want to do it, even if people are telling you not to. And um, I don't know if that's what has gotten the Illuminatis into so much hot water doing so much illegal wrong shit that we are trying to condemn them for. Maybe I don't understand everything about the world, but I do think that the I do think that Zorba was kind of wrong and the fucking Buddha was kind of right. And then it's like, yeah, you know, meet your goddess. Go, go like, you're not look like, go find the goddess in your girlfriend's pussy. Okay. It's okay. That was Crowley in a nutshell. The Vesica Pisces. 
But okay. do it with love, you Brother, know? Do it with love. If she, I gotta if say, she I wants you to slap you. her, then slap her. But don't, <laughs> you know? Like, you know? <laughs> Each of their it's, own. It's up. It's really up to her. I don't know. It's up to Sophia. At least in my world. So that's. I think that's that's who I'm going to call my guardian angel. Can we hit pause? I'm going to pee again, and we'll come back for the a brief third act and wrap this up. Yeah, I got to get off. It's ten o'clock. I'm going to get kicked out of my house. <laughs> I can't talk much more. Okay. Can we pause and come right back? Yeah, yeah. I'm down. If we're going to make it brief, because I got to like whisper now. Sounds good. Thank you. You're, I I owe you one for helping me get this cool. out because it wasn't going to get in the journal. We will at least hit one of the questions we have for each other. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Never had. Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Never had. It's funny how we, uh, me and Luke here, both had a, an agenda and questions lined up for each other, but. It's one of those conversations where you just, I think, instantly connect. And so, uh, it's a sprawl. It becomes a sprawl. Oh, you brought up some stuff about, like, World War One, and, uh, and that just, like, opens up, like, the Italians back then, and secret societies back then, and Franz Ferdinand, and... Franz Ferdinand. I got questions. Who's Franz Ferdinand? I think I think that's the. I think that was the uh, Duke of. Oh, you're the. Yeah, the guy they shot. The guy the black hand shot. All right. The Duke of. So uh, I'm going to go first with my places that Americans don't know. What was the first time you did a magical ritual 
and what was the system it was out of that had such an effect for you that you felt convinced that this was something worth pursuing? That's a great question. Fuck, give me a minute. Well, in this occult revolution that we're in, I think there's a, there's a lot more new people than we actually realize. And I think one of the best things we can do for them is give them an understanding of how we got into it, what it's done for us, and how it's brought us to where we are, and whether that's a good or a bad thing. Oh, it's a can of worms, my friend. So I, I um, <clears throat> well, I'm sure we lost so many people with those accents. I'm so happy about that. No, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I do. A I have this, fucking it's, Irish it's a can of worms that I've I've answered to some degree on an earlier episode. Okay. Um, but here's the answer, and I think, yeah, I got it. I got the answer here. Now, I have an episode. It's called a trauma in the occult or something like that. Yeah, trauma or abuse. Watching, yeah. And um, you know, I got not quite raped, but not quite molested either. But like, definitely some dumb shit happened to me by some abuser. And, um, I, in my, in my, uh, this was a guy, I was like right? homeless. This was a guy. I was like living. Huh? This was a guy who did this to you? Yeah. He was like a 10 feet tall, man. Yeah. He's crazy. I think if girls realized how many times when men are at clubs or bars, how many times we were held up against walls and our shit was, our junk was grabbed, they'd be like in shock. Yeah, they might not know. They, yeah, they, yeah, they do. No. Yeah, because we don't. I mean, they call it underreporting, but it's like, dude, <laughs> it's not underreporting. It's every fucking time you go out. <laughs> like guys get their junk grabbed all the time, right? I, I I don't even need to tell you. I know I'm bringing up one of those things that guys never talk about because it's so common. It's like breathing oxygen. We're talking about this right now. I'm fucking terrified right now of getting in trouble from from my uh, uh, my my roommate that I call mom and my female coworker for getting mad at me for talking loud right now. So like, you know, my, mighty is the woman. So I will say that. Um, anyway, where were we with that? Oh my god. Just oh the first magic thing I did. Okay, so I basically I'd been molestified by this like big powerful dude, and I didn't I got the least of it. But uh, he was basically trying to turn me and my little group of friends that he had collected into his cult of personality. He was trying to like turn our sexuality from like straight into like not, and it, it was definitely working style. its way towards like some weird big gay orgy thing, and um. Here's the deal. It got kind of weird because at some point he pulled – like when he when he we were in the abuse room, he was like, hey, we need to start pulling in angels. I was like, what are you talking about? What the fuck is an angel? And um, – I believe I can fly. I was so naive. I was uh, like – I made this motherfucker oh explain God. to me. Like he tried to hint at it. Like what he was talking about. I was like, nope, I'm not getting it. What are you talking about? He's like, Luke, we need to get people with a lot of money in here. Here's what he was trying to say. That's He's trying to say, I'm going to pimp you out. That's some Nexium shit. I didn't really put that together until recently, bro. Yeah, man, that's how it works. I didn't really fully 100% understand that connection until recently. So, 
Oh, man. I guess so. After <laughs> that experience, I was just, um, why, here's the deal. So with that guy, um, he told, he, like, convinced us that he could, like, read our minds and, like, not, you know, like, not to tell each other what happened in the ritual room and to, like, keep secrets from each other and rat each other out about shit and, like, collect other people to the group. And, you know, it's also near the end there. It started with just, like, legal-aged men, right, who were just barely turning 18, like myself. And then near the very, very, very end, like, he he made it sound like he was trying to get, like, um, one of the group's, like, little brothers who was, like, eight years old in the group. Meanwhile, he's talking about angels and shit. So at the time, I just thought he was weird and creepy, but, like, I hadn't fully considered that uh, he might actually be, like, connected to some weird organization. Um, I don't, I don't have any fucking data on what he was connected to, so I don't. Anyway, so my first magic ritual was I was, I was walking around. Uh, here's a, I, I want to brag a little bit because I sort of broke up his little fucking cult. I kidnapped uh, I kidnapped one of the people, our brothers, that was going into a fugue state. And I took him to one of the other members' houses. And I was like, guess what? I'm fucking over this shit. What's he doing to you? What's he doing to me? We're going to fucking talk about it. And um, I just fucking threw him under the bus as hard as I could. And, like, um, we... You know, we kind of all ended up going our separate ways and doing our own shit to deal with it. I never really got any therapy or any, like, um, help after that. So I sort of just turned to magic. I, I found a book. I was walking around Barnes & Noble, and I picked up a book by um, the guy who wrote the Marilyn Manson biography. And, oh, shit. Neil Strauss. Yeah, Neil Strauss. So there's a, and, there's um, a bunch of photos it, of me hanging out with Neil Strauss on Instagram. Son of a bitch. Yeah, he was my so, mentor. I'm, so mentor. I'm reading this book he, by he Neil Strauss. And he's journalism. And he's he's talking about pickup and then he gets to this weird section where he's like, and then I met this guy. And we look and he was like this weird other person and he had all these magic powers and we looked into each other's eyes and he gave me this gift of seduction or whatever. I was like, This sounds a lot like this gay shit. <laughs> I might have to meet so that. Marilyn Manson's confessing he was seduced by a gay no, 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 no. This was this was Neil Strauss saying that oh, he uh, met an older man that gave that. And this is in the book, like his book about pickup, where he's like, I went to. It was like a seminar where we just learned about crazy shit like that. Yeah. And um, I don't know what kind of seminar it was, but he. You know what, bro? I got to tell you something. Those are those are really cool glasses. You know, uh, I saw someone outside <laughs> just wearing glasses just like that a second ago. <laughs> I couldn't possibly know each of these nags, right? That's one of his nags. Oh, those those shoes look really good. Are they comfortable? I'm automatically fucking back with you. Did you notice that? I don't know what you mean. Could you show me? (laughs) I don't seem to see it. What are you talking about, uh, you weird fuck? Me and my buddy, we. uh, I'm I'm an Uber driver, dude. You have to automatically fuck back. Like if you, that's the first rule I learned in Uber. Is like the second they start fucking with you, you fuck back. 10 times is hard. Like, honestly, the easiest thing you can do is just ask, what, did, what? Oh, like make them correct themselves. They're like, so what do you do on the weekend? You're like, what weekend? They're like, you, you, you mean like, like, they're like on the weekend. You're like, do you mean last weekend or next weekend? Because last weekend I was grocery shopping with your mom and, um, you know, you just fucking let them have it anyway. So 
You know, we don't have Uber driving's illegal in where I'm from, so it's a uh, it's a new thing to me. I experienced it a bit in France last year. I I, I Ubered everywhere in Paris last year, but it's illegal. You know, up in where I'm from in Canada, they're like, but wouldn't that interfere with the cab companies? And it's like, yes. And they're like, okay, no. <laughs> That's how it works. The cab companies hate yeah. us. So, well, yeah, like um, you know, we don't want to fuck up our current existing system. Uh, no, I can't even talk about Canada. It's so fucked up. We fucking sold all our fucking everything to America, and then they jacked, and then America jacked up the price, and we're like, "Why did they jack up the price? Because you sold it to a for-profit corporation based out of New York, rather than have your own government run it, you dumb fucking cunts." I'm sorry, I feel strongly about these things. Yeah, go for it, man. Let it out. Some no, people need to hear it. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. There's a reason all my fucking articles were taken off the internet by Rolling Stone. Jesus Christ. So after reading this uh, Neil Strauss thing, I was like, oh, this guy used some crazy, bizarre magic pickup skills on me. And then um, while I was like living in my car, walking around Barnes & Noble reading this Neil Strauss book about pickup and weird magic powers and how to use them like all like on the fly without any magic system or whatever – um, I ran into the disinformation uh, book that's the comp- compilation of essays, not the Aleister Crowley one, but it's a compilation of essays by um, Grant Richard Metzger and Jason Louv and Genesis P. Orridge oh, right, and yeah, all right. those, like, you know, just a bunch of groovy people. <coughs> I just sneezed. All right. So, and, and, and what did you learn? And I think it might have been like a Grant Morrison article. It was probably the article uh, Grant Morrison's Pop Magic, where he's just like, br- like sigils and brands and sigils are pretty much the same thing. And, it, and if you let McDonald's like do their thing long enough, we'll all be living in a McDonald's. Like, and um, so here's how to make a sigil. And if you make a sigil and, and fill it with an intention, you can like make stuff happen. And I started fucking around with this stuff while I was still in this weird ne- Nexium cult that I didn't know was a Nexium cult. And the leader, like, n- I noticed that the leader allowed me to do it, but he never commented on it, and he never tried to instruct me on how to get better at it or anything like that. And that is like my first clue that made me think this guy's full of fucking shit. Here I am fucking around with some magic shit that actually fucking works. He doesn't want me to learn about it. And um, that those are my first magic rituals. It's just like drawing a sigil, focusing on it, drawing a sigil, uh, masturbating to it, fucking um, drawing crazy. a sigil, putting it under my bed, drawing a sigil, putting it out in the city. I don't know. And just like messing around. Having fun. That's a, just trying to have power where I didn't have it before. So, so ritual magic saved you from a gay sex cult. Well, it wasn't ritual magic. It was more like chaos magic. Same thing. And it was my well, girlfriend that um, and I, wank on I it fucked things because I mean, for better or for worse. Long and the short of it is like, after you're in a gay sex cult and you're not gay, like. My my one obsession became I just want to have two girls suck my dick at the same time, and I want to stick my dick in two pussies like one right after each other at the same time. I want to have a threesome, and this ruined my fucking life. This obsession, I, I and like it it ruined a good relationship I was in at the time, and it it fed into my 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 marriage, you know. And I tried to create my own p- parsonage. 
And you could see that I just spent the next fucking 10 years of my life just working out the bullshit that happened to me in that weird fucking Nexium cult thing. And um, that's what happened. Like, I, that's how I got into it. And I just read a lot of, like, you know, Libra Null. I probably got to check my text messages. They're probably telling me my time is up. I can just while he's checking his text messages, I just gotta say to the listeners, this is why I'm glad I did a good Golden Dawn order because the only time I encountered any sexual misconduct there, it was when a soror said that a fratter had grabbed her ass in the hallway in where well, they were in ritual robes, and a soror came to me and said, "This fratter grabbed my ass and tried to kiss me," and I confronted him. I said, "Why did you do that?" He's like, "Well, because I could tell she wanted it," and I'm like, "How could you tell that?" And he said, because she's done it with so many other guys. And I said, you're expelled. And that's how the Golden Dawn should be. I'm sorry. It should be like a college or any other college or educational system. You fucking grab someone, you try, you, you force yourself on them and think that they're wanting it or asking for it, especially when you're naked under black robes in a temple. Like, I'm sorry. You're done. Zero fucking tolerance. Game over. Have a nice day. Maybe you'll do better in the Lima or Scientology or <laughs> Temple of Set. I don't know. I'm not judging any of those groups. Maybe a little bit. But I'm just like, what the... F- you, you gotta have zero fucking tolerance with that shit. I'm sorry. Bottom fucking end of story. That makes sense to me. I mean... Zero. I, yeah. I knew some adepts that basically fell off the wagon and destroyed their lives and have hatred for every spiritual thing they've ever done. But it's all because they got involved in weird sexual triangles with other people in the order. This is before my time or after my time or maybe during my time. I don't know. You know why I don't know? Because I was too busy studying my grade material, doing the ritual work, doing ceremonies, doing initiations, memorizing lines, teaching classes, going to classes. Fuck! Plus, this was all during high school for me, so, like, I didn't have time to kiss a girl for the first time, much less sexually assault a girl. But apparently that's what a lot of people get into, and I just think, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. And there's a lot of good groups out there that don't put up with that shit. If you're putting up with that shit and you're turning, it turns out you're in some sex cult, just get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, you can find a way out. Don't believe. They're not as, like... They want you to believe they have all this power, and in some cases, maybe they do, but in a lot of cases, they're not really that powerful. They just they have just very strongly conditioned you to believe that they're God, and they can read your mind, and that um, everything that, like, they hold the keys to the truth, but, like, it's not really true. They're kind of fucking around with something that's real, but, like, they're using it the wrong way to fuck with you, and, like, you need to just get out. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta get out. Get the fuck out. Oh, and you know you see that you see that in Osho, and you can see that in uh, you know the Osho's thing. You can see that in the. I was raised in transcendental meditation in my family. It was a Bhagavad Gita Maharishi Mahesh family I grew up in. When I discovered Christianity, I was like, "Whoa, these are fucking aliens! What's this fuck? We're eating this shit? What what happened to two-hour mandatory meditation every day? You know, from fucking like seven, six years old." You know, and then I find out there's these Christians out there. I'm like, what are Christians? It's <laughs> funny. 
whatever Christians. Anyway, oh, well, here's the thing. I, I want to say, like, maybe to wrap this up, because I got to go. I, I'm, yeah. It's at 1030. Yeah. I, I'm like an hour and a half past my noise curfew. Um, well, we're going to have to do this again one day. And oh, yeah, totally. I'm down. We had prepared for each other. Totally, yeah. I'm, I'm, I totally, yeah. I'm totally I down. I think so. Of, so to wrap it up, I want to say about my, my, my. Oh, sorry. What no, are you no. I just think it's the mark of a great conversation when you don't have time in three plus hours to discuss any of the things you wanted to ask the other person. I didn't believe you that we were going to get to three hours. So you like, you're the wise one here. I mean. And I haven't asked you any of the questions I have written down, and you haven't asked me any of the questions. Can you ask me one of the questions you had written down for me? Um, yeah, why are you skeptical about aliens when um, Aleister Crowley did that working with Lamb, and then all the fucking Roswell shit started happening? Seems like it's connected, man. Oh, I'm I'm so I'm I'm not skeptical about aliens. I just put them in their proper place. Like, but I think their proper place starts with ritual magic. Sure, that may be. One of the problems I have with, like, you know, I, I check out stuff on my friend. A lot of my friends get interviewed on Gaia.com, so I, I have a subscription to that. I watch their shit, Chris Bennett especially, but, you know, Jason and all these other, other friends or people I know. And uh, the alien stuff always trips me up when they go from all this historical stuff, like the, you know, Enkidu and Gilgamesh and the Akkadians, and then they're talking about the... the, the you know, the makers who made these races and these hybrid races, then instantly it's like when they get into outer space, they jump all of a sudden into extra dimensional aliens. These aliens were physically here creating humans as hybrids. But then as soon as you get to where these aliens come from, you're in an extra dimensional realm. And now you're talking about psychedelics and all these. Okay. It's like, are they physical or are they extra dimensional? I understand that they could be both. I understand that they could exist in both realms, but there's no connection drawn. Because there's no evidence there. There's no evidence for physical aliens, no empirical evidence. There's no... But there is evidence of extra-dimensional realms through psychedelics and through spiritual... Intense spiritual fucking training. Like, there's nothing, yeah. I've, there's nothing I've done in any drug or psychedelic that I didn't achieve 20 years before through severe levels of extreme ritual or meditation work. Nothing. Is it more physical? Absolutely. However, it seems to be sort of the same. So there's these other realms that we experience through imagination or psychedelics and our own spiritual natures. But how do they jump with these aliens from being, they came down and they created the pyramids and all these super races of humans and stuff, but then all of a sudden they retreated to this third dimensional realm where they're DMT spirits? Like, what the fuck? That is just, that's what they call in academic, in, in academic logic, in pure logic, We'd call that, um, well, there's a name for the fallacy. I can't remember. I've, I've had, I've had a half a joint in the gin and tonic, so now I'm on the vitamin water. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but my point is, like, they make a jump between these physical aliens and these spiritual aliens without connecting them, and that's, that's a fallacy. So until there's empirical evidence, like, when we know there's aliens, we'll know because we all see them. It sort of seems to me like they're native to the dream world or the spirit world, and then, then they manifest they their ships. The pyramids? If they came from, if they're from, if they're spiritual, extra-dimensional dream world creatures and fairies yeah. and shit, how did they then build the pyramids and create hybrid races by injecting us with their own DNA? How are those two things connected? Fucking 
connect them for me because I don't understand okay. um, how you can make I, that logical leap. They seem like either two different things or the same thing that are connected by a, a huge X that we do not understand. It's they, it's through involution. Now that sounds like a fucking made up bullshit word to me. There's involution and evolution. I think involution is the is like the uh, lightning path, and evolution is the path of the serpent. Yeah, I really like that. I really, really like that. Involution makes sense. It does make sense. I think it might be a neologism, but I don't know. So not we're not evolve like the aliens are not evolving us. The aliens are involving us. But how can there be <laughs> so, in other dimensional realms and not physical realms, and then physical realms, but not, like what the fuck? I just don't get it. I honestly wish physical. I could tell you how they built the pyramids right now. That'd be really fucking great. But um, I th- we're not imagining like <laughs> this, that was one of the best articles I ever read by Aquino. He's like, what they tell you about how they built the pyramids is incorrect. He's just like, it's too perfect. They it's some crazy shit. Is basically what he's he didn't say what, but he's like, it's not what they say. Um, and like. I love I love that he goes on like above top secret and will like wrath with people, dude. It's hilarious. Fucking I don't know what he's like in person. I don't know if he's fucking super evil or whatever, but he's certainly funny on the internet. Um, but like, yeah, I gotta I gotta turn off now, dude. Yeah, I gotta bro. get going. I can yeah. hear the I can hear the people are just waiting to get me. Part two is coming. Now, because um, we're we're co-casting this, this is a joint cast. We're like, it's basically the podcasting version of docking. Yes. Um, have you ever done Have you ever done docking in Kerbal Space Program? It's quite thrilling. I only dock with little green men. Yes, so I think you know what. I'm t- have you played the game, brother? For how people, how do people find you and your podcast online? Uh, you just have to go uh, type in The Whole Rabbit, either in Spotify or in the Apple iTunes Store or in the Google Play Store or in Stitcher. And we're pretty much everywhere, including YouTube. It takes me a little bit longer to get onto YouTube, but you can also check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash The Whole Rabbit, where for just $5 you can get all your shows a little bit early in addition to bonus shows for members and a sticker that I will send to you at no additional cost. And it's fancy and vinyl and stuff like that. So thank you for listening. Now, did you come on the sticker? No, not yet. But if I come on my stick, you know, hundred bucks, I'll do it. (laughs) Hundred bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. I I met the goddess through this using it, so I'm charging money. Dear Lord, this is definitely definitely getting an explicit rating on my podcast. Um, I don't know what edits you're going to do, but I can tell you, I, I don't have the time or wherewithal to edit anything, so. It is what okay, it is. Okay, I and might for your listeners. That's fine. I'm ready for it. For your um, listeners, I might edit like one, t- like one or two super tiny things that might not even seem that offensive to anyone else. I don't remember what it was, but it's probably you. I could probably just let it fly the way it is, dude. Like the only way I could listen back to everything that we've just talked about and edit is if I were to be a different person. So as the person I am, I cannot edit I love this. you, dude. That's so funny, you, man. No, man. We got so uh, as soon as this curfew. <laughs> He's vanished off screen. Bro. You gave me the giggles on that one, man. <laughs> no, man. Okay. Like, seriously, like I, I, I have busy. I, I'm busy with Italian Renaissance shit. Like I have 
I have Latin, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic on my to-do list right over there to translate over the next couple days. So, like, I have, I have, like, adult shit to do. I have adult shit. It's adult. And I have to do it because guess what? That's the kind this of... This is all I do. All I do is the podcast, that's, man. That's what, well, yeah, well, and masturbate once every six months. Yeah, dude, it's a little... I can't make it more than 30 days. I just go nuts. You just lose your mind. That's how I feel about DMT. I think I might there do something is. tonight. I think I'm going to probably do a good hit tonight, and uh, I'll let you know how it goes. But yeah, Shit, no. I've been kind of a good boy since I've put everything down, so I... Dude, hey, I love it's it. It's the spice melange. It's the spice melange, man. And as much I as I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of sober ritual work, I believe you should do hardcore hours, if not day-long rituals, completely sober in the most ascetic sense you can do them. I also believe it's not a bad thing to, you know, 10, 20, 30 times a year, take 5 to 10 grams of mushrooms and go run naked on the beach or sing and dance around a campfire. I think that is probably some of the most spiritually, psychologically healthy, physical activity you can do. It'll keep you regular, and it will, you know, fill the world with ecstatic joy. That's what I was saying about you earlier. When you did all that shit, and you had all that love going on in your life, and you had that thing, that's ecstatic spirituality. And ecstasy is not to be underrated, right? The whole point of nature is that nature explodes with jouissance, with self-explosion of joy that keeps keeps procreating itself in a constant nature-naturing process. Nature is always naturing itself, right? And it's nature-natured, or natura naturans, natura naturata, if you like prefer the Latin terms, then that that is the essence of who we are. It's spiritual unfoldment. It's what you see when you go into those deep psychedelic states. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I have to say. We'll, we'll continue with our questions for each other on the next time and be more structured and probably not. Okay. I, yeah, I strongly agree with what you just said. And I guess to wrap it up, uh, um, do wilt and be law. Oh, and let me tell your listeners for your cast where they can find me. You can find oh, me please. Yes, please, on please. Magic Without Fears. And yes, that is a play on the Crowley book titled Magic Without Tears. And I have the K with the lowercase K because I think the idea of spelling magic with a K is infantile and stupid. But I still do it because, you know, marketing. And uh, yeah, uh, find me on iTunes, Spotify. Follow me on Spotify. So here's the thing. I've, I have uh, over a dozen albums out as a musician in a Celtic band. Ooh. And, and now you can have I used, to make, I used to make like a thousand bucks a month from digital plays and downloads. And in the last 10 years, it, that became zero or actually negative $1. But I'm getting more plays than ever. Spotify, I found out, doesn't have to pay anyone unless they get a hundred follows. Once they do, they're wow. legally required to pay you. Taylor Swift went to court over this shit. And so I'm trying to see if I can make money. I just want to take money from Spotify want to take money from Amazon and I want to distribute it to everyone who participates with me on my podcast because I'm not in this for the money. I'm, I have fucking three autoimmune diseases. I'm four years past my, past my death date. If you know what, if you understand what that means to be four years past, That's scary, death, yeah. dude, the doctors at 30 told me de- dead by 35, 100%. Now I'm 39. So like, I'm just trying to build stuff that will live past me. Everything I do is about building something that will live beyond me that benefits people. And obviously I'm focusing on things that fill my life with passion and joy. 
So we want to get 100 followers on Spotify, take that Spotify money and just distribute it across everyone who has, will, or has already done podcasts with me. I will continue to take all that money and distribute it to people who have done the beginning ones, you, who name it. It's It's a group thing. That money will just always go to everyone who's done things with me because let's just take some money from the man. It's my slight note of anarchism in my soul. Yeah, right? Seriously. That's why I love I love affiliate links. Using Amazon affiliate links, fucking you get, like, money out of Jeff Bezos' pocket. Take it. I don't even know how those work, but hey, I feel your energy, dude. It's real, dude. I will teach you how For that real. works, man. Trust the guy who uh, made his first fortune at 16 on Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I, I never made no fortune. But uh, I, I did, though. It's called uh, uh, Leah. Well, you, Bonesy you have you have a you have a daughter, so and my daughter Iris. Is shit, yeah, yeah. My children are, are my my women in my life. You know, my mother and my daughter and my my lover. The last That's my thing, wealth. Can I ask you one more thing before we go? My dad's not bad either. <laughs> last time I talked to my dad, I said, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm building the Stone Wizard's Tower." Fuck yeah! Like what the fuck? Minecraft. Is that? No, like in real life on his property on an <laughs> island in British Columbia, he's building a stone wizard's tower. Oh, yeah. yeah he's right? going to keep a girl locked up in there? Um, uh, I think he's the guy whose wife's going to keep locked up in there. I have a wicked stepmother, you could say. That's an understatement. So the question I have for you is a lot of people, I think, have tried or are trying to get off substances like even as, as, as parochial and safe as marijuana. And you said you helped yourself get off of it to an extent. Uh, to an extent. I'm not like, trying to quit, but yeah, I'm well, trying to yeah, get down right. from like seven grams a day to like maybe one. I, I had a medical situation, which for a while I was on seven grams a day, uh, getting off morphine for a back injury. It's tough. I totally have been there. Um, now I do it a couple times a week, and as a result, I laugh my ass off for like six hours straight. If you do it only three yeah, times a week. Yeah, you can enjoy it more. Dude, oh yeah. Dude, when I decide to actually get stoned... I am, like, just pissing myself laughing for six hours. My body gets so relaxed, I just, I feel like I'm in heaven. And that's the beauty of doing it just three, four times a week. Anyway, the question is, when you microdosed to get off of it, what were you microdosing? It was K. So, like, I was just doing, I wasn't really microdosing, but I did, like, lower it and lower it and lower it to nothing. That's I lowered both to nothing was the point. That's really impressive. You know what I mean? So I had, I had like, life-threatening PTSD, and a friend of mine who went through Canadian Black Ops and was a... Um, I can explain it a little more technically if that's what you want me to do. Well, yeah. Like, my only example is he said, try microdosing Molly for a couple of years, and that cured my PTSD. Like, saved my life. I that's mean, crazy. saved my fucking life. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure ketamine has saved my life as much as it's maybe put it in some peril at some points, but it has saved well, me for sure. Like I, I, I don't know how to medicine. describe it, but like if a doctor, like if a doctor were to ask me what's worked, I would be like ketamine, 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 ketamine worked. Yeah. Like I have tried other antidepressants like once, like I've tried oh. like a, I've tried like a, a pill of something once. I hated every single one. None of them worked. They're, it was terrible. The pharma- pharmaceutical industry should be illegal. So, yeah, there's a difference between medicinal use and recreational use. Let's be clear. 
So I, here's what I did. I had seven grams of addiction to deal with of weed, which I could no longer afford or justify. And actually, the prop, the reason I tried to stop is because I suddenly could afford it. With the UI payments coming in, I was like, dude, I work all the time. I spend my own money on weed. Now that UI is coming in, I have to stop. Like, So I tried to – so like, here's what I did is I fucking – you know – your friend gives you a bag for your birthday, right? Academy, and you're like, sweet, awesome, I get to do this shit now. And then, like, what I did was, is I was like, okay, I'm not gonna smoke. I'm not gonna smoke. I'm gonna get high on K. And then, once I get the marijuana down all the way, right, then I back off. Like, the, now the marijuana is like, oh, I just have like a toke a day, you know, instead of seven grams a day, like a little snap. And then, once I had established that tolerance with the weed, then I just backed off the ketamine rapidly. Like, like rapidly and then you can use like little puffs of the weed um, like at your new found tolerance to get off of the K and then you're kind of you know honestly it felt really dangerous and it felt like doing skydiving so I'm not going to say like oh this plan is super faith this plan works every time because <laughs> the whole time I was doing it it felt like I was fucking skydiving dude it was it didn't feel like I, I was like doing some super smart plan but it did work the way I intended it to oh man Wow. Yeah, well... I do I do play Kerbal Space Program, so, I mean, I have that going for me. Yeah, not everyone can handle the extreme paths. I mean, my my best friend killed herself at 22, and I became but suicidal. But it wasn't like heroin or morphine did, or crack, you know? What I did to get out of that suicidal spiral from my best friend killing herself was one night I did 9, 10, maybe 12 tabs of acid. Ooh, that's a lot. Like I thought after the after ten hours later I thought I was dead. Ten hours after that I went into this deepest of deepest realms in which like, you know, the shapes are like breaking through you and going deeper and like, you know, you know you're still alive. Actually you've come out of I stopped walking up and down the stairs same staircase for four hours and realized that I wasn't in purgatory and got into bed. And then I go into this deep, deep realm where shapes are unfolding deeper and deeper in my soul. And it's all the spirit of love just enwrapping me. The spirit of love. You are love. Love. And it's a physical, spiritual reality. It's a physical, physical reality. And then deep into the deepest heart of my soul I went. And there in the deepest depths of this golden sphere, I saw this little crooked black thing. And that crooked black thing was everything about me that is evil and wrong and sinful and fucked up. And all oh, of I sudden, know why you're not letting me go. And all of a sudden, the love encompassed it and said, even this thing is loved. And I just exploded. And I fell asleep. And I know, I why, up, I know what you this, need to make this, me talk about before I go now. The suicidal Fuck. tendencies were gone. I was at peace with my friend's suicide. I was just grateful to be a part of this shining, beautiful, natural realm that is so short and so limited and just so full of beauty. I just knew I had to appreciate it and hit it with everything I had. And that was, uh, I guess, uh, that was uh, that was actually the same time this year in 2014. Okay, Darth Vader. I, I, I think I understand I why I need why we can't end the show right. Like why I've been trying to end the show for like an hour. Why I can't? Okay, you, you need to you need to make me talk about this. Okay, God damn it. you said right. you always like never. All right, here it is. Two hours. This is the last thing we're gonna talk about. Okay, okay. but I think I'm quiet enough now to where they're just used to the fact that I'm a fucktard and I'm just gonna keep being an asshole. So we, we're all fucktards. That's called being human. <laughs> I really feel like Alex sometimes. <laughs> Clockwork Orange, I'm really trying to not be. But that's yeah, how yeah, that's part of the joke in the movie is you just have to be yourself on some level. But okay. <laughs>
I just want to be in the snow with my woman. <laughs> so, okay. Um, okay, this is the big one. This is why we needed to have the conversation. It, it, like, meeting Sophia, big deal, right? You do a bunch of K, you meet the goddess. It's like, oh, great, I met the goddess. Great, what now? It's like, it's got to have some just, result, right? It's got to, you know, like, fast. it's got to have some fucking, it's got to do something for your life, right? Otherwise, it's just a drug trip. So, um, this is this is why it's valid, okay? So, as I was coming off of the K, I was trying to be recompense about not getting back into seven grams a day. And when you're coming off of enough K to meet the goddess, okay, um, I, 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 oh no, I remember now. I, I, I was really high on the K and I all of a sudden had this feeling of dread and paranoia. Because you can get that on a lot of drugs, the fear. But it felt like all these synchronicities kept happening, and that happens on K, but it was like something bad was going to happen. I felt like something really fucking bad was going to happen. Like there was some energy of like some anger, some some rage, or like some evil thing was coming to cause death and harm and ruin. And it was very real for like an hour. I fought with it, and then it started, and then something happened where that feeling changed into like, sadness about the, those feelings that I had directed towards others. Um, during my divorce, I actually tried uh, cursing the person who ran off with my wife, but I had noticed that every time I'd ever thought curses towards somebody, um, they wouldn't work. And this was no different. So, you know, nothing really worked. Um, and I, it was something I shouldn't have done, you know, and I know that now because um, when the feelings left me, um, oh, now I'm, now I'm giving it away, but, um, I started to cry, like, like really cry. Um, and it wasn't like loud, but it was very strong. And I felt, um, I felt remorse and I felt like I was ready to let go of the hatred and the, 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 the anger and the rage that had been driving me down the road on Uber to do these 18 hour shifts that like feeling of pure focus made of iron hatred that just can make your rocket go forward for so long for so many hours that feeling of quiet burning fury that never extinguishes that's always there with you that it is there from the morning like from the second you wake up to your lunch it just never goes away and you just think that's part of getting older or whatever but it sticks with you well something happened well this K was like like trip was coming down where it was like I felt all that like hatred and like burningness and I felt the goddess too and I was like I don't like there's no more room in in, in me for this anymore like it's I'm giving it away to Sophia I'm giving it away I don't have time for it anymore it's like having a hundred pound backpack and, and and it was like I was crying but it felt like I was giving birth like maybe through my heart or through my mouth. I don't know. It felt like giving birth because like I was crying, but as I was crying, it felt like something was being extruded from me and pulled out of me. And it, it felt kind of good, but it felt kind of terrible at the same time. And like, it it felt as like, uh, when you cry really hard, it's like a full muscle spasm contraction and you feel the energy like streaming out of you and the tears and like, you just you feel all the pain that you caused, all the pain that you caused, and all the 
the the the the the anger you directed and all the hatred and um i felt it just come out and sophia came and filled its place and i was able to forgive christopher and really mean it not just say it like i had to say it not just say it because i knew i was supposed to but like actually mean it and let go of all the things like um and honestly you know i heard this voice in the back of my head and it was like once you get the message put down the phone you know but i still had some day left <laughs> so the next day i'm right back at it and just to wrap this up man the fucking when i uh I, I, oh, when that when that shit ran out i was in the shower and i felt it happen again but this time it was different um this time it was it was it was like here there was something else below that below the fury and the hatred and the anger but it was really really buried beneath all the hatred and the fury and the anger and um i was in the shower and i felt the cry coming out again i don't really cry so like it's good when it happens it's like you know i don't come but i don't cry even more so it's like it's a treat you know and i get to let it out so i feel like it's coming right and dude this was bizarre. This one I almost feel weird talking about because it, it left me kind of stunned for like an hour or two after it happened in a bad way. Like, um, I just like, this cry was different. I, I cried out all the times that I had felt lonely or abandoned or sad or like all the times I was at school when I wanted to be at home with my mommy or all the times my parents left me somewhere when I didn't want to or any time the parent my they were mean or yelled at me or my teacher was, like got me in trouble when I didn't deserve it or when, when like bullies picked on me in class or threw my pencil or uh, you know hit me in the back of the head and the teacher didn't do anything and like all the times I, I was really little and I couldn't breathe for some reason or I I, I couldn't I couldn't uh I couldn't tell I couldn't tell my mom and my dad that I was hungry or thirsty and I was upset about it and I just felt every fucking bad thing that had ever happened to me and I let it I got to cry finally I got to let it go but it was so many fucking things and it was all at once I felt like fucking mother mary had just lost Jesus Christ I was crying so hard I couldn't fucking imagine it. And when I told God, God was like, God, God was like, Luke, is this too much? And I was like, no, it's good. And then I felt myself start to throw up. And then I told God, I was like, no, this is too much. You need to hold back. And then it just went back to crying. And, um, and then afterwards, then I felt really out of it for like an hour. And then, um, I started feeling more like myself after that. And so that's about where I'm at right now. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, a lot of the work we do in the three equals eight grade of the golden dawn with isis um we do a lot of work with isis we learn to cry and uh i think you you could call it the white work in alchemy you know and uh, it's the shekhinah it's the glory of god the feminine presence of the divine on earth and the mother goddess is just the oldest of symbols like god as mother nature as god you know and uh I, th I actually think I shouldn't say anything because I think I'm minimizing the experience you've just shared with me. 
Well, I could maybe like ruin it by saying something like really weird happened afterwards. It's kind of stupid. Um, I felt um, this is really bad. Um, I don't. I almost. I'm gonna try and talk about it veiled because I said I. I, I Can we work something out? Is this okay? Can we talk about this? Okay. Yeah, okay. So, um, I, after that had happened, I felt like all those dark things, I could almost feel all those dark things that had happened to me. And um, because I had let them out and because I was radiant with Sophia, um, they almost wanted to, like, pledge themselves or something in kind of a way. And I felt very intuitively to, like, push my finger against the scum in my uh, shower and have some sort of a connection with it. Let's put it that way. I don't know what the fuck that means. I've probably just seen too many movies, but I hope that I hope that kind of brought the weirdness to a peak where you're like oh yeah luke is out of his mind so <laughs> it was a bit of an experience um let's put it that way um but yeah I, it left me feeling really weird after that um and that it was after that experience with the scum that they um they were i sort of the thing i got the ideas about the video games and the trading off thing so i'll just put it that way I think you can't underestimate the experiences you've had and how they might help or resonate with other people. Okay. Those things told me that I probably shouldn't talk about that, but I just talked to them right now and they're like, yeah, okay, we can talk about it a little bit. It's fine. They like to do deals. We're all human they're like, beings. They're good at, we're good at that. We're all human beings and we're not going to go wrong by being honest about our experiences. You know, that seems to be more true than not true lately for me, so. Yeah. Shall we wrap it up, brother? Yeah. If you if, if it feels right to you, yeah, I think you're, I'm going to take your lead on this one. I think we've covered a yeah. lot of stuff, and uh, yeah, um, we'll definitely do a part two. Absolutely, let's do that. And, so, uh, hey, I God am, bless, man. I'm going to let as, you go, and you're going to let me go, and we'll talk again. As soon as this uh, curfew is over, um... I've got a trip planned before I leave America and I'm heading to visit a uncle in San Diego and then I'm going to Austin, Texas to visit some Martinist and Golden Order, Golden Dawn Order friends there and I'm doing a whole bunch of stops on the way. So uh, maybe you can swing by Ventura and we can, uh, you know, have a tete-a-tete. Okay, that sounds good. I'd love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well... Yeah, I think this is a good place to end it. I think we're actually closing in on the four-hour mark. Woo! And well, this is, I guess this is the part where I say, thank you, everybody. Eat carrots, shoot lasers. Eat carrots, shoot lasers. That must be, be one of those millennial sayings. I'll let that go. A millennial saying? I am kind of a late millennial, but yeah. yeah. Eat carrots, shoot lasers. Yeah. Oh, and let the, let the rabbits wear glasses. Okay, let's hope that saves. I want to save it. Save it, fucker. Okay. There's a lot of paths out there, and uh, yeah, I I really actually do want to ask you the questions I have, but we'll have to save that till next time, bro. Well, I feel like maybe you were guided by some higher force to ask a certain amount of information that I had to get out. So I think well, these 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 sort of 
chats, I think, if they're not therapeutic or uh, exploratory, then what's the point? Yes. I, well, I mean, I feel like you were guided by a higher force to be like, if he doesn't talk about this, you just have to keep making him talk. Because um, I'm pretty good at resisting things like that. And, like, I tried to go quite a few times, and I only could go after I told the whole story, dude. Yeah, well, hey, I... I, I... <laughs> Let's chalk it up to, uh, you know, me being a good pastor. Oh, absolutely, man. You, you absolutely are. Um, oh, thank wow. you. I really, I really, 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 really appreciate the time you've, you've put into this and, and like, you know, that said, anyone yeah. who wants help with their spiritual journey, whatever that is, I'm a very non-judgmental source, uh, with, you know, I have my experiences and my knowledge and you can find me at www hermetic spiritual <laughs> hermetic spiritual direction.com and uh, I've got you know a pandemic special going on for just fifty dollars an hour which is okay it's a great deal if you need some guidance especially if you're looking for a magical group to work in but you don't want to fall prey to some of the predatory ones out there I'm your guide to uh, maybe give you some good pointers or if you want to stay independent and just do your own path, uh, yeah. Oh, we'll be in contact. I, I definitely need to learn a little bit more. Well, you seem to be on, on a good course, uh, just in the self-analysis I think you're doing in these podcasts, Luke, is extremely therapeutic, not probably just for yourself, but for your listeners as well. And, and this is, this is the path Yeah, I just watched, rewatched the Mandalorian. This is the way. You know, we need to be honest about our thoughts, feelings, and experiences and share our spiritual journey with each other. That is the way. I'm with you, man. You got me with the Star Wars. (laughs) I love talking cinema with you, man. We should should do magic and cinema next time. Hey, absolutely. Oh, I would love to. Let's do that. Magic and cinema. I don't think we could possibly title this podcast. I think uh, this podcast is titled... Triple X. I'm down. I mean, I'm down to call it. That's that's what I used to. Damn it, dude. That's what I used to call myself in middle school. That was actually that was. This is funny. I didn't mention this on air when I. The thing that left me fucked up after that crying experience is, I felt like I I felt like I was 13. I felt like I was yeah. the age I was when I gave up my dreams. <laughs> I was like, I should probably bring it up. I was like, and it felt like shit. I was like, I'm a I'm a little boy. I'm not a man. I'm a boy. <laughs> I, like, I, I actually this. would love to comment <laughs> on that next time based on uh, Lacanian psychoanalytic philosophy and also Zizek's work at understanding the layers of psychology in terms of imaginary, symbolic, and the real. That would be a great thing to get into. But we're done for now for sure. And uh, okay. God bless you, bro. God bless you too, yeah, man. man. Let me save this and I'll let you, let you go. Okay, yeah, I think I we're good. Go okay, man, God bless. Time, so we're like... We're like, we did good. Amen, dude. I appreciate you. Thank Most you. Most of the world does well, but we do good. Hey, man. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is it? Uh, do, uh, be will do law. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Get your hand right, man. All right, man. I don't know how to turn this off, but I'll find a way.
Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk